Hey everyone, I'm Kyle. My name's Mark. And you are listening to 613 Wrestling on whatever podcast. thing you listen to your podcast <laughs> on. Uh, you know, obviously we've said before, we record on Anchor, but you can get it on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher. I still can't believe we're on Spotify. I know. Just, I pay every... for, I've been paying for Spotify forever, and our podcast is on there. That's incredible. So, that being said, on today's show, we are going to... Uh, have a special guest uh, to break down C4's Nightmare City. Pete, 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 We Pete. are going to break down the results of NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> uh, we also have our Royal Rumble review. Mm. And uh, all that, plus our F5 and our highs and lows. I'm excited for this week, and obviously with, uh, you know, you're away on vacation for a, good, for a good little bit. You just came back a couple days ago, so welcome back. Uh, I'll tell you last week, I know with the previous week we talked about, um, you know, doing a show while Kyle was away. Um, I had a very busy week. My phone messed up. I lost all my, con- I don't, I don't want to say I lost all my contacts. I lost uh, Pete's number. Um, my hope was to do a podcast with Pete, and um, which now I know who Pete is on Twitter and his social media is now, so that won't happen again. And uh, I'll be honest, it was just a really bad week. Crazy busy at work. Was at work really, really late. No excuses. I know I'm sounding like I'm saying a bunch of excuses, but we're very excited to be back and talk about um, a lot of wrestling that uh, Kyle has now caught up on. Uh, I know I live tweeted a lot of stuff uh, during the Royal Rumble, during uh, NXT TakeOver. I'll say, um, even though I don't Twitter for for like to be popular and i know you're the same in that sense we do it to show interest but when people like our post you know i've had marl renato like over the last weekend jim ross marl renato and ricochet all three commented shouldn't say comment liked uh posts that we were putting out there on the nxt takeover which was pretty cool um you know it's uh, even, even though i'm sure he's just looking through into him he's just going oh yeah that's nice he's talking about me <laughs> hey. but for me i'm like hey whoa. you know that. i'll take it we'll take it so thank you very much for showing the love um but yeah no let's uh, let's get into it all right so our weekly highs and lows let's start with some positivity positive power of positivity <laughs> up first on the list Finally, Becky Lynch getting the shot that she has worked so hard for and deserves. She is our Royal Rumble winner. She has come out on fire uh, with her promos towards Ronda Rousey. And Becky Lynch has also gone after Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. And, you know, we both talked about this and we agreed that she's finally at the point where all the work she's done to say that she is the man... She now has the opportunity to make history, and it's honestly because of her. Yes. I As much as people have been popular about Ronda Rousey, in the end, if you're going to have a Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, WrestleMania main event, it is because of Becky Lynch and the work that she has done to put herself over more than any other female star, star in WWE and, I would say, anywhere else in the world. I totally agree. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to whisper in the mic, if you put Charlotte in that match, I love you, Charlotte, but she has no business being in that match. Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, main event WrestleMania. Becky Lynch 
You cannot take this. The machine of WWE did not put Becky in this position. No one did this but Becky. Becky's hard work, her ability to cut a promo, her in-ring ability, her absolutely like historical, crazy, several-month feud with Charlotte put her on the map, made her the man. And I'll tell you, I'm so excited for the future. WWE, you have a golden goose that just landed right in your lap. Just let it be natural. Just let, just let You're never going to get another opportunity to... You know, to almost have a main event be handed in, just just handed right to you, and this is what you have here with Becky. So Becky is definitely a high this week. Um, you know, she's on fire, and oh my God, just don't don't screw it up, please, just don't. <sighs> All right. All right, that's enough. <laughs> just I get, I I know I I get ranty sometimes, but it's just they're known to do that. Yep. They're known rants. to do it, and I just. With flipping the switch and doing everything else, listening to the crowd, if they can't listen to this, I don't know what they can listen to. Right. Um, Charlotte, you're amazing. You're one of the best female talents that's come across in a long time. You're going to be a future Hall of Famer. You're going to be numerous. You're going to hold the belt another. F- you're going to break your father's record for how many titles you win. I bet you. I'm sure in years from now we're going to talk about you know, oh she's going to win her 17th title. They're going to break her dad's record. I'm sure that's going to be a thing, but just let it happen. Just let it happen. All right, let's talk about other highs. What other what, highs do we what have? What else do we have there? So we also have someone that we've both, you know, several, like, very early when we started the podcast, we weren't so sure about where this was going to go. We weren't so sure about the storyline, was it going to work? And I'm pretty sure we both said at one point, I don't think this is going to work. I'll tell you, Daniel Bryan is making it work. Not only coming off an amazing, and we'll get more into later about the Royal Rumble and the, and, and, and the match, um, that uh, Daniel and AJ had, but Dan- not only do they have a phenomenal match um, at the Royal Rumble with AJ Styles, but his onus of being a heel, the way he's getting under the fans' skin, but also backing it up in the ring. Usually, a big, big heel, you'll get more pullback in the ring. You know, they'll find, you know, so yes, obviously Daniel is getting some help. A lot of the ways he's finding ways to win to cheat, but not always. You know, he's still able to go in there and punch you in the face, put a lock on you, make you tap, and put on some of the best matches you've seen in a while. Not only did Daniel Bryant was away and he's, he, he's rejuvenated his career, he's on top of the game. That new title, wow. Man, what, 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 is, what is your thought? When you first saw that title come out of the bag, what was your thoughts? So I was definitely surprised. I was expecting... Uh, you know, uh, the paper mache, <laughs> paper, uh, a leaf. No, actually, in all honesty, what I was actually expecting was a um, burlap sack, <laughs> burlap sack. Uh, styled uh, belt. No, but this one's beautiful. It's uh, it, it makes sense. It um, I like the way they delivered it. I like the way that they, you know, he wore it the next week out there, oh. and you know, he really sells this belt is legitimate. This isn't like. Hey, we're just going to do this for the sake of doing this. I'm not I, making fun of the belt. <clears throat> uh, this is the belt. Right, and yeah. I'm going to lose the belt next week, so who cares? Yeah. They put in some thought into building this belt out. Yeah. That it makes me feel like Daniel's going to hold this belt to at the very least fast lane. Yes. That we'll get to see it for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Daniel's been rolling. He's been, his promos are on fire. He is hitting the right points with people. Um, you know, he's had two strong weeks coming off of. Uh, Royal Rumble. Yep. He is getting under the skin of the people. I think people have even forgotten 
that Daniel Bryan was their hero. He was the ultimate underdog. He was the yes movement. And people have moved on from that. And he's done a fantastic job with getting people to hate him because he's speaking truth in some respects to who these people really are. It's true. And you can't deny what he's saying. And so you hate him for, for bringing that to light. Like, oh, you're right. I am terrible to the environment. I do eat a lot of unhealthy food. And I'm a terrible human being. No, it's true. And that, and that's the most dangerous in a good way. That's one of the most dangerous types of heel is when they speak truth. You know, like the world is po- like very, very polluted. The United States of America is very much known for their obesity, <coughs> very much known for not really caring about recycling and the environment and lots of different things. And so so he's a heel you can get behind. And, and no, I think I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll say, I remember like a while ago when we first started to see more and more of the heel, you were the one that said, I bet you he's going to come out and make his own belt. And, like I'm waiting for him to come out with a vegan type belt in some way, shape or form. And we've seen it. So good prediction on your end. That was awesome. Sometimes it's nice to be right. Sometimes it's good to be right. We'll talk about how right I was with the Royal Rumble. <laughs> uh, all right. So with every high, there must be a low. There is a low. Uh, so we have a couple lows for this week. Um, you know, so up first, uh, the announcement has come out off, uh, you know, not on TV, but, uh, you know, in the interweb, uh, that, uh, Otis, uh, Dojovich and, um, Tucker Knight of Heavy Machinery will now be known as Otis and Tucker, which is another individual, uh, who is getting their name shortened. We have, uh, Rowan and Harper, we have, uh, Andrade, uh, we have Elias, for some reason, Vince thinks that fans can't handle um, referencing a shortened version of a name, but still keeping the full name. I feel like there needs to be an aspect of sports telecasting when you're calling these get matches, and you can just say part of the name. Oh, God, yeah. And we still know who you're talking about. You don't need to necessarily say Andrade Cien Almos, Tucker Knight, Oros Dojovic. You don't have to say their full name. We know who you're talking about. But you don't need to cut their name permanently because yeah. then it, sometimes it ruins the flow because sometimes it's nice to say the full name. For sure. And, and unless it's some kind of marketing piece where they save money from having shorter for whatever, whether it's, you know, the amount of characters that are on a TV screen or merchandise or whatever. But, yeah, it, it, it's silly because, like, Harper, I'm still going to call him Luke Harper. Like, the fans will not stop you know, like Andrade Cien Almas. Like, if anything, I don't call him Andrade. I always say Almas. Yeah. Like, that, that's what I say. Like, when I, when I say, like, oh, Almas is having a great match. You know, what, what's next? Like, Rey Mysterio is going to be Rey? Like, I think it gets a little crazy, but um, I think WWE, my, my hope is that they could just realize one day that whatever you do, we will still know them for who they are, and we will call them by the names that they are. Uh, if that helps them, cool. You're whatever whatever it is but you could but you can still it almost seems like they're trying to make us call them something different like Elias was a big one um obviously worked for him but but I don't know just but some, even still you can still call him Elias Sampson okay, Elias and Samson. you just say walk with Elias you don't need to say WWE stands for walk with Elias Sampson WWE's yeah, means you, just, you can say Elias but we yeah. you can still call him Elias Sampson 100% it's not it's not know. uh because yeah. it, it's good. Like it, it, plus it humanizes people sometimes too, which is kind of nice. You know, like mo- we all have a first and last name, 
it doesn't just need to be Elias. Elias who? Like, what is it? Like, what yeah. does, he, does he not have a last name? Like, what's his last name? Elias, what does that mean? He doesn't have a last name? You know, so I don't know. It's silly, but, you know, it's definitely something that it seems the WWE is very nitpicky on that they don't need to be as nitpicky on, so. Uh, what's our other low for the week? So the low was a ruined moment. Um, the Phoenix crowd, when it came to Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, were in the ring. Uh, obviously, the Phoenix crowd, all about Becky Lynch, which is awesome. But Ronda, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, like, they got to Ronda. Ronda was out, and Ronda was, you know, just trying to cut a promo talking about Sash Banks. You know, thanks so much. It was a great match. Lots of respect for you. And then the, the crowd was booing her so much and chanting Becky, and, and it actually made Ronda stutter. And Ronda even acknowledged it. Great job, guys. You made me stutter. If anything, I, I almost feel... Like, you don't need to call that stuff out, but I almost feel I do like it because I, I think it helps... Like, if Ronda is nervous in that moment, because she's still working on her promos, if Ronda in that moment could almost self-acknowledge, like, you got me, it'll make her feel more comfortable about it happening. So I, I'm totally for it. But then Ronda, like, absolutely, um, you know, like, just turns it all back around and cuts a vicious promo on Becky Lynch, you know, about how she owns the ground under her feet. She has the, like, I have the ability to kill you with my bare hands, and all they did was just, like, they just ruined the moment. They should have just sat there and listened. That crowd should have been silent, and they should have just taken it all in and allowed that moment. Because what, what the crowd ended up doing was they allowed it to no longer be, like, a, a moment for Becky and Rhonda. Who knows if Rhonda would have delivered it as well if she wasn't trying to overcome that crowd. So who really knows? But I will say when two... We're finally getting the face-off that we want, and the crowd has to take it away. Yeah. Well, what's your what's your thoughts on, like, I know we've <clears> talked <throat> about crowds many, many times in the past, but, like, do you think that there really is, like, would have there been a different promo if they didn't do that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I to, to Rhonda's, uh, you know, acknowledgement that she, once she could, once they didn't care about the Sasha thing, she also moved on. Yep. She didn't pull a, a Eva Marie where she tries to recite the same thing over and over again until Re, she gets it. Repeat, repeat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the crowd also, you miss the one-liner pops. Yes. You know, there's times, and Becky, even happened with Becky and with Stephanie, where she said something, but because the crowd had already been cheering or whatever it was, they missed the actual one-liner, solid gold, like, stamp. So and true. they're just... They're, they're, and it's, you know, up to the, they say that it's up to the wrestlers to try and maneuver the crowd. It's the same thing why they have to change the way that they speak in order to prevent the what's from coming through. Alexa Bliss was one person that really found a good way away from that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a problem when your audience at home doesn't get to experience it. Yep. I would almost rather have pre-taped audience if you know i mean not fully but at least then, i know what you mean then at least in those certain moments or at least you can turn down the audience because you can tell when they ramp up the mics for the audience yeah because all of a sudden it gets super loud yeah um but it just maybe talked with that a little bit to allow the audience at home who isn't there to actually get to experience the intention behind it let them the pause the, the fans should stop talking and stop making noise 
and then allow that one line, and then you hit them. Either well, you hit them with some moves, or you hit them with some cheers. Or you can even just hit them with a reaction. Like, yeah. whoa! Like, you know, it's almost like watching a television show. You have your laughs, you have your boos, you have your, oh, right. your gasps. You know, it's, it's yeah, and I, and, I, and I know we've said it many times before that, you know, when you buy a ticket and you're in the crowd, as long as you're not being violent towards anyone, you're able to do and say whatever you want uh, within the realms of the law, but... I don't know, just crowds, like, it, the show's not about you. And you can't keep taking over these great moments because imagine it was silent in there and you had, and you all, like, especially as a fan, like, if I was in that audience, I would have just been like, silent and glued. I would have reacted to different sentences and, 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 and punchlines, but I would have just taken in, like, whoa, look at this moment. They're finally faced off, especially with how Becky introduced a promo. Like, I went on your show, and I beat you right here. Even like, the right here, they'd already started cheering, and that, yeah. that pause to say right here, that was the moment where the crowd should have popped. That's where they should have popped. <coughs> and it was like, you know, right here, and you did nothing about it. You know, you didn't come over and nothing, so I'm coming to you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not done with you yet. It was such a powerful promo because you feel it you know what i mean like it was so these girls hate each other like and here's why that's the beautiful part about any storyline or promo or anything is you know like they hate each other but why do they hate each other there's lots of why in this and it's so beautiful it's so natural but the fans stop trying to take over the show I'm sure Becky loves it, where they're like, they're just, and you saw the, the smirk on Becky's face, just sitting there staring at her with her nose up in the air, like, these, my people are behind me, they're cheering me, they're booing you, I'm the, I'm, like, especially too, like, for any female star to get a bigger pop than Ronda Rousey has been getting, you know, so, but no, I think, yeah, crowds, just chill out sometimes, I have the ability to have natural reactions and natural, um, you know, like, segmented cheers and boos uh, to what they say. You know, like, it doesn't need to be this five-minute, like, chant. Like, just shut up, watch the show. Because how, you, there's no way you're chanting and listening to what they're saying at the same time. Yeah. Like, so come on, crowd. You're not even paying attention. You're just trying to be so loud that you're being heard. So. All right. So that breaks down our highs and lows for the week. Uh, after the break, we are going to have our special guest talk about Nightmare City, Pete, the C4 extravaganza. So stay tuned. I'm excited for Pete. And welcome back. So uh, up next, we are here uh, with a special correspondent, the Six One Three Wrestling special correspondent, uh, Pete. How's it going, Pete? Not bad. You? Not bad. Not bad. So, uh, Pete, you're here today to talk to us about C4's latest uh, show. Is that correct? That is correct. It was called C4 Nightmare City. Ooh. And how did it go uh, as a whole? Uh, really impressive. Um, it was very exciting from beginning to end. Um, and I'm here to tell you all about it. No, that's awesome, Pete. No, thanks for joining us, dude. Um, yeah. so how's going, comes, Hey, how's it going, buddy? Been a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also I apologize for the, uh, the previous week. Uh, my phone erased uh, a bunch of text messages and I lost your number. So I didn't awesome. just say for no reason. So that's completely my bad. God, uh, I love that. No. Awesome. 
so yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. Obviously, you know, Kyle and I weren't able to make it. And uh, for me, for other reasons, Kyle was, you know, uh, enjoying himself on a nice, delicious cruise. Sadly, no, I was not enjoying myself. I was sitting in a Toronto uh, hotel okay. instead of. Fair enough. So I should have just stayed back. But you were on your way to a cruise. That's correct. Uh, more importantly. But, uh, but no, super excited to hear about it. Is there any specific spot that you wanted to start uh, with Pete in regards to going down, um, you know, the matches or any highs and lows that you thought about it? Um, I'm just going to go through every single match for you. Um, you guys also on your previous show had predictions. So I had wrote those down. We're going to compare them. I've got, uh, I've got a full lineup ready to go for you from the first match to the last match. All That's right. amazing. That's all. I'm super excited. Fire away. All righty. Um, so the first match of the night kicked off with, uh, fraternity versus the Montreal elite. Um, what a way to start off the night. I mean, you guys have seen these people in action before. Uh, Montreal Elite consists of Brad Alexis, uh, formerly uh, one half of um, High and Mighty. Um, and the other half of Montreal Elite is Benjamin Tull. Um, so they went against uh, the fraternity. Um, it was, like I said, what a great way to start the night. Um, tons of action, you guys can imagine. Um, the match lasted about 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, the fraternity defeated uh, Montreal Elite uh, via pinfall, uh, but not uh, without a surprise visit from Mr. Jonathan Rukin. Uh, oh, the other yeah. half, yeah, the other half of... Uh, the once high and mighty. Uh, he came through the crowd, stood at ringside, caused a bit of a distraction. Um, and um, like I said, Fraternity did get the uh, the the pinfall over Montreal Elite. Um, and then at that point, um, I don't know if you guys know how Brad Alexis is with the mic, but he's 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 pretty good. He he can get the crowd going. Um, he he gets a lot of heat. Um, I could do without the swearing every second word, but um, <laughs> but he, he he got the crowd going. Um, and he was yelling, of course, uh, at Jonathan Rukin, telling him, like, you shouldn't have interfered. And because of that, uh, we're going to have a surprise match right now. Um, so it ended up that um, uh, Benjamin Tull fought Jonathan Rukin out of nowhere wow, for the really? C4 underground title. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yes, I am not kidding you. Uh, it was uh, everybody was getting pumped up and excited. Rukin um, took his shirt off. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was still in like just like regular normal pants kind of thing. Like he wasn't in any sort of wrestling gear. Um, they started punching each other in the head back and forth, back and forth. A couple of moves off the ropes. Uh, this all took place in 17 seconds when Jonathan Rukin defeated Benjamin Tull to become the new wow. C4 under crowd champion and you guys can you guys can just imagine how like it was the biggest pop of the night unfortunately it was the first match of the night uh but it ended up being like uh one of the one of the biggest pops uh of the evening um so yeah 17 seconds i think that might be a new record pete can you still hear us yep Yep, for okay, sure. Okay, I just thought maybe you guys wanted to chime in. No, that's that's crazy. I actually did not hear about that. Um, yeah. And that sounds like a pretty insane way to kick off the night, you know, if especially, oh, yeah. you know, hey, Rukin has proven to be, especially since, you know, going solo from high and mighty, that he's quite yeah. an impressive 
uh, independent yeah. star on his own, and he definitely has the backing of the C4 crowd. And that's oh, pretty absolutely. crazy. How long did you say that? Like, how long did you say the match was, maybe? 17 seconds. It was 17 crazy. Seconds. Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, I That's sat there with match. my I sat there with my stopwatch for every match. So <laughs> that one only lasted 17. So, again, wow. um, Eric Charon, the ring announcer, came in and said to everybody, now, is that a way to start the show? And it was definitely. Seriously. Yeah. So next up, um, it was the uh, six-way dance with Cecil Nix, uh, Mark Wheeler, James Stone, Eva Luno, and the two ladies, uh, Chris Stadlander and Silesia Sparks. Uh, Eva Luno ended up getting the win. Um, oh. Yeah, he pinned Cecil Nix um, after four minutes and six seconds. Uh, great spot in the match, by the way. Just a side note. Um, what an amazing move by Saliza Sparks. She gave uh, Eva Luno a suplex, and I swear, I think she held them for probably a good 15 seconds. Wow. That's, yeah. that's impressive. That's super impressive. Very, very impressive. Um, it was uh, it was the highlight of the match. Um, didn't last long. I was a little bit disappointed because uh, I love James Stone. Uh, I love Mark Wheeler. I love Cecil. Cecil always puts on a good show. Um, but I got to tell you, it was just four minutes of nonstop. Nonstop. Four minutes. Only four minutes. Okay. Yeah. Only four minutes and six seconds. Um, but again, um, it, it seems shorter than that, if that makes any sense at all. Because um, they were just go, 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 go. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was a great match. Uh, next match after that was for the C4 Tag Titles. Oh yes, uh, so we're looking at the current champions, which were uh, which is MVP and Sheldon Jean um, against uh, Flight. Uh, sorry, Fight or Flight. I can never oh, remember their name. <laughs> um, MVP and Sheldon Jean defeated um, uh, Fight or Flight um, via Frog Splash from Sheldon Jean on Von Vertigo uh, after eight minutes and thirteen seconds. Um, but not before MVP used uh, a little bit of cheating, a little bit of distracting with the C4 Tag Team Championship belt, hit Vertigo in the back of the head um, while the ref was distracted. Um, that, so they got the win. Right? That's, it's that's very typical. That is what yeah. you want for your tag team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, next up after that was the special challenge with Kobe Durst against Chris Dickinson. Um, this match um, lasted seven minutes. 40 seconds. Um, was hoping for a little bit longer. Uh, but these guys are putting each other through hell. Um, basically, the final mat, final part of the match, uh, Kobe Durst ends up putting uh, Dickinson through a door. Once again, another door at a C4 match. <laughs> and uh, rolled him up for the pin, and that was it. Uh, was very surprised with that one, actually. I, I, I thought Dickinson would have maybe walked away with that, but he did not. No, that's crazy. Was it? Uh, did you notice that a lot of the matches were short? Um, the, yeah, it was like, um, yeah, I would say like the longest one was, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit, um, was the tag team match with uh, Butcher and Blade against uh, TDT. That one went like fifteen minutes. Um, oh, still not, not yeah. terribly long though. So I guess it must have been no. a full card. 
It, it was it was stacked. Uh, again, it was scheduled for eight, and there ended up being nine. So right, they right. Uh, they ended up squeezing nine matches in there. Right, um, with that impromptu match as well. No, it's crazy because usually with D four matches, you know they're known to have several matches, but can average anywhere from fifteen to twenty minutes each match. Yeah. So yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So a little bit of a difference, and to Kyle's point, a little bit more of a packed card that night. So okay, cool, 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 cool. Yep, exactly. And then there was the uh, one match before intermission. Um, it was, unfortunately, Stu Grayson could not make um, the card as he was in Cuba. Um, so they had a great filler, and they ended up getting Anthony Green. So I was kind of oh, happy about that. Anthony Green mm-hmm. has be- has become a great, uh, great crowd favorite at C4. Yeah, um, I'm wearing a shirt right now. What's that? That I'm wearing a shirt right now. Yeah, Kyle's wearing his shirt as we speak right now. There you go. <laughs> and yes, and yes, and yes, wait for it. He did a cartwheel. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a four-way dance with uh, Josh Briggs, uh, Maxwell, uh, Jacob Friedman, MJF, uh, versus your guy's favorite, All Ego, Ethan Page, and Anthony Green. Um, Josh Briggs defeated uh, Ethan Page uh, via pinfall after 12 minutes. Uh, great spots throughout the entire match, guys. You guys can imagine with these four. Um, oh, I couldn't geez. even keep up writing stuff down. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to, when I report to the boys, I'll be just like, nonstop action. <laughs> uh, so uh, how was your, what was your impression of uh, MGF? Because he's the one guy we haven't had a chance to see. Very, very good. Uh, very acrobatic. Very, um, he connects with the crowd a lot. Um, yeah, he's just very vocal. Um, humor. He's got a lot of humor in his in his, in his character as well, too. Um, you know, somebody picks him up for a body slam. He'd be like, oh, shit. You know, like, just really entertaining. Um, and that's all I want when I go to a C4 show. I want to be entertained. And I'd be glad to see him back uh, again uh, in, in future contests. He, he was great. No, absolutely. I've never, I've never seen him live myself. But you know, uh, if anyone's been keeping up with the uh, being the elite YouTube channel with the Young Bucks and Cody and everyone else, uh, he's been um, last few episodes. He's been on there and he's been quite hilarious, oh, especially yeah. owning his persona as his persona as uh, as Conrad uh, Thompson calls him, a little prick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at the beginning of the match too, because um, you know how intimate it is at a C four event. Um, right. You know, no matter where you sit, you can hear the guys. You know, before the match is starting, if they're talking to each other, and uh, I think uh, Josh Briggs mentioned something about that. He's like, "Aren't you the little prick?" or something, something to that effect. <laughs> and of course, everybody started laughing, and uh, and then we got a little bit of humor with Ethan Page as well, too, um, as you guys love him so much, and so do I. Um, he's, I mean, every time I see him, he's always like extremely entertaining. And overall, to me, it was probably, I would say, probably my second favorite match of the night. Ooh, ooh, yeah, okay, no, I was okay. totally, totally impressed. Um, uh, Anthony Green stepped in nicely. Um, and it was just, again, just too much to report. There's just so much action going on. These guys kept it up for like a good 12 minutes. Um, and was my, yeah, it was definitely my second favorite match of the night. Yeah. And to your point, Pete, you know, when you say we could imagine what that match probably looked like, I a hundred percent know what you're talking about when you say that. Uh, it's a shame that Stu Grayson couldn't make it in that match because anyway, if anyone, whoever's seen Stu Grayson before, mix him in with 
you know, the three other individuals that were, would have been in the ring with him, that would have been absolutely insane. But no, it's yeah. crazy. The fact that yeah. uh, you thought it was your top two. That's yeah, awesome. no, absolutely. It was, uh, it was definitely my second favorite match of the night. Uh, then intermission happened boys after, after that, uh, that four way dance, uh, everybody was selling their swag. And then after 10 minutes, we had three more matches left. Um, so intermission ends and we had, uh, Eli Everfly, uh, versus Tyson Dukes. Um, and this was my least favorite match of the evening. Interesting. Really? And I'll tell you why. Um, lots of botches, guys. It just seemed like they weren't prepared. Um, I mean, I don't know how else to say it other than, you know, an Irish whip would turn into like, oh, am I supposed to go off the ropes? Or like, they just did not seem organized. Um, and and ready for it, which I was very disappointed because I'm thinking to myself, like, Tyson Dukes has been up to like the WWE Performance Center. Like, you know, I, I was just disappointed. I was just disappointed. Um, they still put on a good show, mind you. Um, you know, you, you take the botches away. You still had a, a, a 10 minute and three second match. Um, Eli Everfly actually defeated Tyson Dukes via a roll up. Wow. Yes, really? via a roll up. Um, so overall, like I said, uh, it was my least favorite. Um, there was still lots of high flying action uh, and, and a, and a galore ton of chops all i could think of was kyle if kyle was sitting beside me i'd be (laughs) looking at him and he'd be like oh my god like there was so many chops uh at one point eli everfly's chest turned from white to red like you could see duke's handprint on his chest and i was just like oh my god if kyle was here he'd be on the ground in pain um so yeah um a little bit disappointing but like i said again they still they still put on a, a decent match anyways i was just expecting less botches um and then my favorite match of the night boys um i currently uh now have a favorite new indie tag team and that would be the butcher and the blade um they oh. fought against tabernacle the team um <laughs> Again, guys, I can't report everything that happened because it was just crazy. I jotted down this match, saw two doors and a chair get completely destroyed with total chaos. (laughs) Um, Crazy spots, just too many to mention. Uh, These guys went at it hard from beginning to end, and it went 15 minutes and 25 seconds uh, with the Butcher and the Blade defeating TDT via pinfall. Um, Yeah. Um, Butcher and the Blade, my new favorite team. Uh, I got to tell you, entertaining. Um, we all know Pepper Perks, uh, big boy. Um, but this mask that he wears to the ring is just creepy. Like, you know, I look back at WWE and I remember like when the, when the Wyatt family first came in, um, you know, with their sheep masks and they were just looking creepy. Uh, but this mask that Pepper Perks wears is just I don't even know what it is. He looks like an alien um, when he comes in. And the gentleman who plays uh, Butcher, uh, I was talking to Kyle earlier. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but his first name is Andy. Um, And this guy is like massive. He's huge. He's solid. He's a good wrestler. And he's also a musician, which I did not know until one of my friends told me about. 
Um, but great, great tag team action in the ring. Um, I would love to see a rematch uh, with Butcher and the Blade uh, and TDT once again. That would be just awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I've gone on record several times, you know, Tabernak the team is one of my favorite independent tag teams because not only do they have, they, they're the one type of team that can utilize a gimmick to their advantage and they sell it really well. You know, Absolutely. if anything, a piece of things, you just see two, you know, built, young, good-looking guys that know how to work the ring. Um, you know, and over the last, you know, several months, I've become more, you know, uh, familiar with Butcher and the Blade and them as a team and more so them as individually. And I've seen some videos actually while you were describing that match. We just watched a little bit of a snippet of the match on the C4's uh, Twitter page, uh, watching them uh, him actually uh, pump handle slam him through the door in the corner. And it looked pretty crazy. So, no, that's oh, yeah. all. That is a yeah. but, uh, we missed that match. And hopefully if they do a rematch, uh, not just to have again but hopefully we can be there i would also love to see maybe have like a triple threat c4 tag team title match and get mvp and shell and gene in there um there anyways I, I i think there's some great 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 potential uh i hope the c4 um management bring back butcher and the blade uh because i gotta just say they were impressive and they're now my new favorite uh tag team so that's awesome yeah, so that was the second last match of the night, and that brings us to the C4 championship match between Mr. Josh Alexander um, uh, being the challenger and Matt Angel uh, being the C4 champion. Um, again, guys, um, you guys know how these guys are when, when, when you go and see them. I mean, Matt Angel's this young, um, high-flying kind of guy who's just, you know, you look at him and he's deceiving. You don't think that he can he, that he can keep up um, with half these guys. And he's just like, I have a whole new respect for him after this match. Um, it was back and forth for a solid 12 minutes, 28 seconds. Um, the finisher to this match was literally jaw-dropping. I didn't see it coming. Uh, there was a spot at the end where they were over uh, in the corner on top of the turnbuckle. You didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you thought maybe, oh, we're going to get a Samoan drop off of there. Uh, Josh, you know, taking Matt Angel to the mat. Um, they were messing around. And then all of a sudden, um, Josh gets Matt in a tombstone pile driver position. And of course the crowd erupts and he delivered it from the second rope to win the C4 championship. Shocked wow. everybody. Shocked <laughs> everybody. That's crazy. Yep. It's pretty, um, uh, pretty ballsy to do it off the second rope. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's two weeks ago and I'm still like, that was an amazing finisher. I did not see that coming. Um, I think I've only seen it done once before um, at a live event, and that was actually at Femme Fatale from last year. Um, right. I can't remember who did it. Um, but anyways, um, what a match. Um, Josh Alexander is your new C4 champion. No, that's crazy, especially, too. You know, I know on um, our last podcast, we were kind of talking about – you know, if Matt lost the belt now, is it too soon? 
you know, has he not held the title long enough to really, you know, define him as a, you know, legitimate, you know, C4 champion. But what I love about finishes and telling that story in the ring and everything else is that when, when you beat someone clean to make it a move that made sense to put him away, you know, like obviously the tombstone is very notoriously used by the undertaker. Josh has used that very, very, uh, very well in his transition as a finishing move many times. And to think, you know, how, what, what does it take to, you know, to put Matt Angel away? A tombstone off the second top rope, that's going to put him away. So it almost, I can almost feel the vibe, you know, and like if I was there, I close my eyes and think, you know, like uh, the devastating move in order to put Matt away, almost like Josh having to think, you know, what do I need to do to put this guy away? You know, so it sounded 100%. like it quite a great match. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was my my favorite match of the night. Um, uh, and, and I did not expect it to be my favorite match of the night. Um, I've made this perfectly clear to Kyle before. Um, <laughs> I, I like Matt Angel. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm a big Kobe Durst fan. So maybe there's a little bit of like, <laughs> 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 you beat my favorite wrestler. So, you know, I don't like you. Uh, but right. no, total, total um, respect um, after Matt Angel going through one hell of a match with, with Josh Alexander. I hope um, we see uh, Matt Angel get his rematch. And I hope you guys are there um, because these two guys, they just put everything on the line. And I have a total new respect now for Matt Angel. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you guys, uh, you were, you and your buddies were able to enjoy the show. And uh, I know that a, a couple other friends of mine were able to get there and they had a great time. Uh, one of my friends hadn't been there since the old, old days when Josh Alexander was just a young pup. Uh, and she said that uh, she was blown away. So I think, you know, C4 put on another smash hit, uh, which I think you can get on Powerbomb TV or I think it's called independent wrestling TV now. Um, so they're, they've been pumping a lot of that. So for anybody who wasn't able to make it out, uh, there's certainly an opportunity to watch. Uh, thanks again, Pete. Really appreciate you doing that for us uh, in, in our absence. Um, no problem. The next show we got is a C4 and Femme Fatale uh, presenting Femme Fatale 21, which takes place in two weeks time on February 22nd. Uh, you're going to get to see some May Young classic um, competitors, Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Kimberly, and Allison Kay, uh, along with some other uh, familiar faces, Vita Scott, Casey Spinelli, um, the bad girl, Penelope Ford, or as um, Booker T called her, uh, how do you call her? Oh my God, what did Penelope? Or Penelope, Penelope yeah. Ford. Uh, so that'll be coming <laughs> up. And then the next C4 show has already been announced. Uh, you're looking at that's coming up on the 22nd of March. Uh, and that one has got its own title of, what was I looking here? It's called. I got it for you if you want. It's Rain yeah, of Fire. Yeah, fired away. It's probably a brain fart. Oh, Rain of Fire. <laughs> that's it. Rain of Fire, which I believe we will see DJZ. DJZ will be there. Uh, and it looks like maybe we'll get that rematch between uh, Josh Alexander and uh, Matt Angel. Oh, and it looks like also uh, Mike, uh, Mikey Speedball will be there. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be a great show. So, again, that's uh, March the 22nd. Tickets are on sale right now. You can get some gold front row seats at Vertigo Records. Uh, so, once again, thanks a lot, Pete, for being our special correspondent. Yeah, Pete. And uh, hang tight. We'll be back with some, uh, some WWE review. Thanks so much, Pete.
Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You too, buddy. See you soon. Welcome back. So once again, thanks again to uh, to Pete for uh, going to C4 for us and bringing back an awesome review about an incredible show. Thanks, once, Pete. Once again, make sure you have a chance to check it out on uh, independentwrestling.tv, I think is what it's called now. It might be used to be called Powerbomb. Um, and uh, right now, if you use C4 Wrestling, you get three weeks free. Also, I forgot to ask Pete if he picked up any merchandise. Oh. Pete, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, I hope you are, um... Tweet us back and let us know if you bought any merchandise and or if you met any specific wrestlers that you maybe got an autograph from, a high five, a hug, you know, maybe an awkward side hug from someone. <laughs> um, I'm always interested because, Kyle, when you go to events, you know, I know you always try to limit yourself when it comes to the merchandise sometimes, but sometimes you're not uh, you're not always able to. No, so uh, funny enough, uh, I actually um, picked up two shirts while I wasn't even there. Uh, <laughs> what did you grab? Uh, two Ethan Page shirts. Of course. Uh, he was selling. He was. Uh, he posted on on Twitter uh, some of the stuff he was coming. I reached out and said, "Hey, is there any chance that I could have somebody pick them up?" Uh, so I I originally had the uh, Ethan Page action figure set where I think it's six across the front of the shirt mm. uh, but he was also doing the single um, action figure so I picked up that shirt and then there's a new design I don't really know what to call it um, but it's got a front and back uh, logo on it so uh, just adding to the collection so funny enough and just before we get here I'm gonna well, I'm just trying to pull it up on my phone now where is it um, so obviously I know we plug our social media and I know our Instagram hasn't been as hot as maybe it should be, or we more so want it to be. And I will say I've been spending a geekishly amount of time putting together, um, something that I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. I don't want to say like 30 days of wrestling figures, but what I did was I took photos of all of the wrestling figures that I purchased in 2018. Um, and then I Stood back and I counted how many figures I have. I have 176 figures, old and new. Um, so obviously I'll post them, but I was like different, you know, trying to do different things, different belts. But it's specifically my favorite ones. Uh, not just every one that I purchased in, in 2018, but all of my favorite ones that I got in 2018. Um, so more to come on that very soon. Uh, hope you guys like them. Definitely check it out. And, um, I'm a huge, huge, huge wrestling product, especially wrestling figure collector. So, um, definitely excited to see what you guys think about these. Awesome. So now we're going to get to our, uh, NXT TakeOver Phoenix review. Uh, this was a, another solid pay-per-view. Uh, you know, I've said this before, I don't think you can compare them to the regular WWE pay-per-views. Not at all. When you're looking at five matches, and these guys have a lot to prove, they're going to put on a great show. Yep. So I always consider them separate. Uh, but as, we're just, as we should. Yeah. As we, as we should. Because uh, I think when you're trying to sell two hours versus, you know, four and a half. Fifteen. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot easier. So, yep. uh, so we'll take it down the list in order. Uh, up first was the um, Tag Team Championship match. Uh, between the uh, contenders and War Raiders and the champions, the Undisputed Era, specifically Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong. Uh, tag team winning uh, was the War Raiders. They came out on top. Yep. Uh, for me, I haven't really been impressed with the War Raiders until now. Um, they finally have stepped it up. I think that these tag teams have a really great chemistry with each other. I know they have history in Ring of Honor, so it helps. Uh, but these guys... 
go at it really well with each other. They're very creative with their movesets. I was really impressed with the War Raiders. I yep. thought they moved a lot better than they have for me in the past. And I'm finally starting to see why people are all about the War Raiders lately. Oh, 110%. You know, I've been, I've been following them, you know, when they were War Machine uh, for a very long time. Uh, through New Japan, through Ring of Honor. And, you know, I will tell you, I've always been impressed with them. I do agree with you, however, where their NXT run hasn't been maybe as much as you would hope, especially with the amount of hype that they had coming in um, a year ago. I'll tell you, this night also changed it for myself. It's really hard when you have two big individuals, um, you know, with Hanson and Rowe, in the sense of they're unique. They're hard. They're not hard to get behind, but they're they're hard to understand. Where you know you have these big three hundred plus pound you know Vikings you know, doing backflips and being as, as athletic, you know, that handstand bounce off rope, you know, into an elbow is absolutely nuts. And even though, you know, they're, they have similar skill sets, like from what they do on a high scale, like, you know, high flying flipping level, a lot of it is kind of the same, you know, they, you know, you know, the moves they're going to do when they do big and high flying moves. But I'll tell you, usually they've been crushing a lot of the other talent, meaning as in, you know, they are the bigger individuals. The Undisputed Era with Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, I think that they, what what I guess what I'm trying to say is what, what sold it for me the best, and what I loved about it the best is that it wasn't just the War Raiders demolishing two smaller guys. You know, it was the Undisputed Era, if anything, for the most of the match, looked like the stronger team. And I loved that, because it was, even though they lost and they're no longer the tag team champions, I actually walked away from that feeling that Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong was actually even stronger than when they rocked in. Um, so I thought it was a really good match for both sides because I think that's the perfect way for any, especially in a, I don't want to say a struggling tag team, but tag team in general, you know, the, especially within WWE has been struggling on and off for many years and they're tr definitely doing a really good job bringing tag teams in to revive it. But I loved this match. This was actually one of my favorite matches of the night. And, um, you know, it sucks because a huge Undisputed Era fan and I want them to win everything. I want them to have all the gold, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, super happy to see that, you know, NXT, Triple H and Everyone gave the War Raiders finally the in-ring time and push that I think they needed to really, you know, resonate. Because when they walked in, they weren't getting cheers. I'll tell you, that entrance. Oh, oh, that was that was mega awesome. That was incredible. What a way to start off the 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 the, uh, the, the main show. Um, but no, I think just from start to finish, that match was absolutely incredible. I know I'm kind of going on and on because how much I love the match, but uh, but I think War Raiders have definitely put their foot in the sand now, and they're here to play. Uh, up next, we had the shortest match of the night, which was uh, Matt Riddle defeating Cassius Ono by submission. Um, you know, I thought this was an all right match. It's tough because I think they're really trying to push Matt Riddle, and Cassius Ono is in a tough spot because. He, he, I don't think he's going to ever make the main roster. No. Um, and so he is the kind of guy that helps push the young guys. Um, you know, Matt, I thought Matt Riddle looked better than I've seen him before. Um, he followed it up with a great match versus Drew Gulak. Um, yes. So that definitely stepped things up. Um, so, you know, all in all, nine minutes. I wasn't mad that it was only nine minutes. Uh, I also was probably more happy that it was only nine minutes. Uh, but all in all, for me, you know, it was a decent match. Obviously not top of the night, but not the worst I've seen before. So I know you weren't, I know he hasn't been here for long, but I know you weren't overly impressed with Matt Riddle when he first walked in and what he's done so far. What is your impressions of Matt Riddle now that you've seen him in almost one of his first official, yeah, not his first takeover match, but first official build 
match. What are your thoughts on uh, Riddle now? Well, I think he's I think he's growing on me. I mean, I'm not I'm not behind the bro thing. Uh, it's a hard gimmick to the get the flip flops yeah. and stuff. But what I like is when he starts bringing in um, the the MMA uh, moveset. And that, yeah. if I remember correctly, that's how he actually beat Casio Sono. Is Casio Sono essentially tapped out? Um, and I like that. I'm looking yeah. for that. If you're yeah. going to be an MMA guy, point. I want to see some of those different things that we don't normally get to see uh, and, and utilize point. that. So this is definitely for me in the step in the right direction. I don't think I'll I will be buying a King of Bros shirt anytime <laughs> soon, um, but I'm certainly no longer hating seeing him on TV. No, love that, and that's awesome. You know, yeah, being a, a big fan of Matt Riddle, and it's funny for me. It's I've been able to see because being a big UFC fan for over the last what was it. I think 2005 is when I really started to get into the UFC, um, and watching Matt Riddle in the UFC, you know, uh, you know, it's always the the fun. He, I think he's he noted himself as being one of the only fighters to ever be released from a UFC contract on a four fight winning streak, uh, because of even though in nowadays you know marijuana being used in in certain states is a lot more acceptable, um, but back then it really wasn't. Uh, and back then being several years ago. Uh, but no, big fan of Matt Riddle. Um, yeah, Cassiusono. I think it's tough, and and I don't say this to, you know, uh, I don't know. I I guess I'm I'm talking the comment I'm about to say. I'm saying this more in a, in a character sense. Oh. But you know, Cassiusono. I've been watching that guy for over a decade. Um, he's put on a lot of weight, and you know his outfits don't make sense to me. You know they're very loud and gimmicky. You know, kind of like the the basketball jersey top with almost the just the underwear bottom uh purple different colors he owns it and it's been his thing for a long long time but at the same time i don't know I, the hard part about it is that and i'm not saying you know and you never know what's going on in someone's life maybe there's something going on that's you know preventing him from being able to be into the shape that he used to be and go look back 10 years ago like 2009 Cassius Ono he was built he almost had like a CM Punk type body where it wasn't like overly buff but it was definitely a nice slim build but the hard part is he can go he can go you know he he he, he, he doesn't slow down in the ring he keeps the momentum i think for me it's just hard to see someone who at one point was such a physical specimen um, in the sense of he was in great shape and great in the ring. To see him now, it almost looks like he's a shell of himself. So this was a little bit of a harder match for me to get behind because I love Cassiusono for a long time. But to see him in the shape and the position, I could completely agree. I don't think you're going to see him on the main roster anytime sooner, maybe ever. If not, it would be almost for a favor. Yeah. Um, I think Cassiusono has a lot to offer the locker room. He can be someone that steps into you know, helping the facility, the trainers, because he's so good. I just don't know if he might go down as one of the most popular independent stars to never have the it factor, mm -hmm. you know? So, but no, good little match. Wasn't too long, but it, I think it was just as long as it needed to be. Uh, up next was my favorite match of the, of the mm. night. Uh, Johnny Takeover versus Ricochet. Uh, Johnny finally winning a belt, which I believe you predicted. I figured Johnny would be the forever loser, <laughs> uh, but I was clearly wrong. Um, you know, I thought this was uh, this worked out really well. I thought, you know, Ricochet is always a fine line with me. With the super high flyers, um, if they start doing too much... Too much lucha style, right? Uh, when it's not a lucha match, right? It sometimes gets distracting. Yeah. Um, but this one I thought played out really well. He was able to, you know, get land on his feet a couple of times and, and 
you know, shock Johnny, which, you know, w- worked really well for the character. Well, the hurricanrata off the top. Yeah. Just landing on his feet. Yeah, ex- exactly, right? So that's the kind of things that uh, you want to see from Ricochet. Um, I like Ricochet in this smaller venue. I would like to see Ricochet in a 205 Live scenario more than I want to see him on the main roster. Um, but Johnny, I'm enjoying. Johnny's in a bit of a tough spot now because he's lost his heel momentum yeah. because everyone loves Johnny. Everyone and so, uh, you know, he it's going to be tough. They're going to put him up against some other baby faces to try and maybe get him back uh, to a heel. Um, but all in all, I thought this match was great. What was your thoughts on it? No, I love the match. You know, I'll tell you, for me, it was also my favorite match of the night. And, um, and I completely agree with you in the sense that it, it like Johnny's in a tough spot and you know it's it's tough to want to be such a great heel but people love you that much you know it's it, it, that's really really tough but hopefully I think if anyone can do it he can do it and Ricochet I think this was Ricochet's best match because it wasn't just all flips if anything he utilized his mass athleticism as a great defensive tool instead of a big offensive tool like you usually see from him which I think was a really 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 big changing point in his career um, doesn't hurt Ricochet at all Johnny Gargano what was cool too is that he won clean I know in our previous ones we were talking about maybe Tommaso comes and helps him maybe he gives him a little push you know and then maybe that's like uh because we've been kind of seeing the whole Tommaso trying to rope Johnny in you know saying like yes you're finally seeing the ways what's going to happen with the what you know what the former DIY was but you know great to see Johnny win legitimately on a big stage because Johnny's been on the big stage before but he's always lost you know, and so I definitely don't blame you for thinking that, you know, for the forever loser. But if anything, and what a big, uh, you know, big weekend for Johnny. Royal Rumble, you know, NXT TakeOver, you know, um, the North American Championship holder, which is cool. I think, what is he, the third North American Championship now? He is. Adam Cole, Ricochet, and now Johnny Gargano, which is awesome. So, no, great match. Love the match. Um, and I think yeah, it's it's hard to see. I don't think I've ever seen a bad Johnny Gargano match. So he definitely knows how to sell it. Knows how to sell it. So up next we had our second to last match, which was the women's championship. Shayna Baszler defeating Bianca Belair by technical submission. Uh, you know this is an interesting one. Um, Shayna's Shayna's the ultimate heel uh, for NXT. There isn't another one. It's unfortunate that. Uh, Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke just aren't at her level in terms of in-ring skill because otherwise I think they could really do something with the three of them. Yes. Uh, right now, you know, Shafir and Duke are clearly lackeys, uh, you know, which is, you know, they're like, uh, what's his face, his lackeys, uh, the Singh brothers. Uh, or, right. Or the Bollywood brothers, yeah. as they used to be called. Um, you know, so they're serving a purpose, but at some point in time, I feel like either you got to do something with them or, or just keep them themselves and let yep. Shayna Baszler be the dominant uh, champion. Uh, Bianca Belair, I'm still not sold on her. She, her strength is definitely something to note. Uh, but all in all, it's just not. she's not somebody for me. So what did you think of the match? Yeah, it is tough. I totally agree. And you know what? Just actually to touch on your comment of, uh, you know, when you look at what you're trying to come up, you know, Shayna Baszler and her, you know, they're looking like lackeys right now. Um, you need to... I almost feel like it's time to, they need to shine. And I think Shayna can help them shine in the sense of it needs to be more about them. Shayna, you know, being the champion, you know, uh, more than once, 
very dominant. Shayna's got a lot left, a lot to learn still in the ring and how she sells, how she delivers. But at the same time, I think Shayna is, you know, is hot right now. I think she can rub some of that off on the other girls and almost because every time you see them, it's running in for a help, but then they just get knocked on their butts yeah. and thrown behind. If you're gonna build, you know, the four horsewomen at at some point, sometime. You got to give these girls, and yes, I'm fine with them being on NXT for for quite some time. But you need to show dominance. Yeah. And if anything, my perception of them is they're weak. You know, like they're clearly not very well handled in wrestling. And to give them credit, they're very new to wrestling too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that didn't do much too much for me. Bianca Belair. I didn't. You know, it's funny. Um. I completely agree with Sam Roberts said. You know, he doesn't like. He got a lot of heat for saying he doesn't know why Bianca Belair is even in a title match thought the exact same thing. Bianca Belair, you know, undefeated, you know, like the strongest female. Perfect. Not there yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then comes the question, while you're at TakeOver weekend, Royal Rumble weekend, it's a big, big way to kick off, you know, Royal Rumble weekend with WWE. Uh, well, who does who does Shayna face? You know, like, you know, it's not, not Kerry Sane again. You know, it's we've seen that enough times. I just feel, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer of, who she could have faced in lieu of, but I feel like Bianca Belair could have done, it, it could have benefited her from just continuing to do as she's been doing because it almost seems too quick for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it's, and, and if anything, it almost feel like it hurts her to be, you know, so quick to rise first title match defeated. What they do with Bianca Belair from here is really going to set the tone. So I'll say, you know, you know, 15 minutes, I think it was, you know, it was a longer match, one of the longer matches of the, of the night. But I don't know. I just think Shayna Baszler. What story are you telling from here? So I don't know. Bianca Belair, great job. She did a great job in the ring. Great job with the match in general. But I think there's, uh, you know, some good opportunity for some different development with Bianca until her next match. Um, you know, because I think it. I don't know. Just too new. Too new. Too new. Too green. So. I agree. So, our last match of the night was uh, Tommaso Ciampa defeating Aleister Black. Yep. Uh, cleanly. Cleanly. Which I thought was really interesting. Very uh, interesting. It also was interesting because Tommaso Ciampa doesn't wrestle unless he's in a title fight on takeovers. He <laughs> He's prominent, but yeah. I don't know if they're protecting him or what the case is. Uh, but he definitely doesn't wrestle a lot. But he still looks good when he's out there. Yeah. It's not like Brock, where you only see him once every six months. Uh, he's right. still relevant. Uh, Alistair's in a tough spot because he loses cleanly, and now what do you do with him? Um, you know, he showed up in the Rumble, but how do you get him to the next spot? Does he does he move on now? Does he go for something else? What do you do with him? Does he does he go yeah. away for a little while, or, or whatever the case may be? Um, but I, all in all, I thought the match was very good going back and forth. Um, it was what I expected from the two of them, so there wasn't yep. any real surprises. Um, but they, you know, they both sold everything really well, and they did play off each other really well. And uh, you know, in the end, it wasn't the most memorable of matches, but that's okay because they can't all be match of the years. But it certainly was not a disappointment. No, hundred percent agree. Um, you know, I for as long as the match was, you know, almost thirty minutes long, they did a really good job with the pace. I'll tell you, it did shock me. Tommaso Ciampa coming out with a clean win. You know, that made me believe, and especially seeing Alistair in the Rumble, and especially with the uh, very soon, you have your annual Superstar Shake-Up, 
You're gonna. I think this is just a way to filter through to strengthen Tommaso Ciampa more because Alistair's on his way to the main roster. That's my prediction. Um, I don't know. Just it's it 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 was very very weird. Now I know we talked about before that you know predictions were maybe. Tommaso helps Johnny win the belt. Maybe Johnny comes and repays the favor. Or maybe Johnny is trying to cost Tommaso, but then costs Alistair again, you know, almost to play what happened the last time. You know, when Tommaso uh, won the championship initially, was from Alistair Black, and Johnny accidentally costed Alistair Black the title. You know, so I kind of almost thought they were going to pay a little homage to that. But no, Johnny with a clean win, Tommaso with a clean win. I thought it was a great match. Very technical, very hard hitting. Those boys beat the heck out of each other. Um, and then, obviously, the ending of the pay per view. You know, I, you know, threw a lot of questions in the air. You know, with Johnny Gargano walking out on stage. You know, while Tommaso was holding the championship up, Johnny walking out. What is he gonna do? Just held up the title as well. Two former, former quote unquote best friends, former DIY, former NXT Tag Team Champions closing segments they're both hold they're both like holding the two most prestige championships in NXT. So, what did you think about that moment uh, at the end when you saw them both and where do you think this whole Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa things going? So it's tough. I think that um you know, and they kind of followed through with it on, on NXT after the fact um when they were kind of discussing uh you know, ch- people were chanting for DIY, DIY and they weren't allowing the crowd to get behind it. Hmm. Um, you know, I can see it being a DIY, but I could also see them going back to just being, you know, rivals. Um, True. But they're both champions. So do you have a champion versus champion match or or something along those lines? It's tough because Velveteen Dream's going to face uh, Johnny Gargano after his win at the War of the Worlds, which, sidebar, I thought was a really interesting um, hmm. setup. I didn't really care for the tournament, per se. It's a lot of wrestling from the same guys over and over again, it's but I, I just enjoyed the battle royal, just battle seeing royal. all the different guys in yep. there. Um, but then, obviously, there was a skirmish at the end of the night, which led to the match at halftime heat. Also, yep. an interesting thing to try and add in a little more wrestling, not an overload, but you know, hey, here's 25 minutes while they're doing. If you don't want to listen to Maroon Five, why don't you come watch some wrestling? If you don't want to see Adam Levine's nipples, right? Exactly. So. Uh, you know, I think that in the end, I don't think you're going to get a reuniting, reuniting of uh, DIY. I think they're too strong as individuals now. Uh, They've done well separated. Yeah, that yeah. would make sense. Maybe if they both go to the main roster, then you might see them reunite. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe them versus The Revival or them versus AOP. Uh, you know, if Jason Jordan ever comes back, maybe we get American Alpha back. And, uh, and you know, we can have some great matches there. But for now, I think in NXT, I think they're going to stay separate. Nope. Hey, that's, it, it's tough. And, but I think that's, that's probably the way to go. And, you know, and it's funny too, where it's a little subtle things throughout the night where, you know, they had, you know, the limo pull up, Velveteen coming out, two ladies in the arm, took a seat, and that was it. And, you know, so if anything, at first that really annoyed me going, wait, what? Like, you didn't do anything with it. Like, you just kind of, like, I'm here... But then afterwards, after the event was done, I remembered it again. And it kind of bugged me at first. Where I'm like, why did they even... Oh, that's why they did it. Because I'm talking about it. Because I'm thinking of it. You know, sometimes it's just, I'm here. I'm watching because I might not be on this show. You know, but I will be in some way, shape, or form soon. And that's one of the things I actually love about NXT. 
Um, and their approach to takeovers is they don't just cram everyone. Adam Cole's not on the show, Velveteen Dream. You know, those are two of your biggest independent stars right now. Um, but that's okay. Earn a spot. The best feuds that lead up to the takeover are on takeover. That's cool. WWE needs to also follow suit with that. You know, it's like WrestleMania. You needed to earn your way to WrestleMania throughout the whole physical year before. Um, but now it's just, hey, and, and, I, and I know I've said this before, so I'm repeating myself now, but love Andre the Giant. One of, was one of my favorites growing up. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal hasn't given anyone anything for a win. It's an excuse to put everyone on the show. Yep. So I, 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 I like it because it almost makes me miss Velveteen. It makes me miss Adam Cole. Like, I wish he was here. I wish I was watching him. Uh, it makes me excited. You know, when I saw them on, you know, I, I actually, I didn't watch that. I hardly watched the Super Bowl, uh, especially after how boring it, I'm a huge football fan, but didn't get into it. And then once when I saw on Twitter, hey, Halftime Heat's on right now, click, watch the match, good match. Um, and it was perfectly timed for the exact length of the um, the pre the halftime show. So, and it's also too interesting to note if anyone doesn't know, this is not their first halftime heat. Halftime heat they used to do twenty years ago. It was something that they did. Um, so it, it's the first time. It's not the first time it's happened. It's the first time it's come back in such a long time, which is pretty neat. So, but no, overall great event. Uh, to your point, when we were talking before the recording, not the best takeover. But definitely going into WrestleMania season, going into some big events that are going to come up, because uh, obviously WrestleMania weekend is going to be a big takeover for NXT. But I think the, you know NXT roster is really, they're putting the pieces together really well that I'm excited to see where they go in the next couple of months. Absolutely. So uh, hang tight, guys. We'll be back with our uh, Royal Rumble breakdown. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. Thanks very much for joining us again. Uh, we are here now to discuss the outcomes of the Rumble. The Rumble of Royal. That's right. The Rumble Royale. Uh, so we had three matches that were on the pre-show. Uh, and then we had another seven matches. It was, uh, I think, four and a half hour long pay-per-view. Yep. Uh, a little bit long. Um, but ultimately, it, uh, most of it was as a result of the Rumbles. So it's not the end of the world if that's the case. Uh, so we're going to plow through these pre-shows uh, matches because ultimately, uh, as it turns out, after the Rumble, a lot some of them don't have any significance anymore. Uh, Pretty much. Up first was Bobby Roode and Chad Gable versus Scott Dawson of the Revival and Rizar of uh, Authors of Pain. If the authors, if the Scott Dawson and Rizar had won, then the Revival and AOP would receive a Raw Tag Team Championship match. Uh, feeling like this was not the plan and somebody was injured. I'm assuming yeah. it was Akam um, because he didn't show up on Raw uh, as well. Um, so I think this is just a filler. We already had this match going, so let's just plug it in with some people. Pretty um, much. I don't even think I even watched this match, to be honest with you. It was seven minutes. I think I just was like, okay, never mind. Yeah, no, I, I, I glimpsed through it really quickly. Um, it had no significance to me, to, to be honest. Um, I think they need to figure out, don't get me wrong, whatever they're doing, they're making Bobby Roode and Chad Gable look strong as tag team champions, um, as they've continuously defended it over and over again every single week. But 
I almost feel they're not giving other tag teams a chance. And and yeah, and, and even with recently seeing, um, I can't remember who it was, but Razar um, having a, a singles confrontation, you know, um, on Raw as well. So I think there definitely probably was an injury that set this back. But to your point, right after this, it, it held no significance. They didn't talk about it again. It came from nothing. It seemed like such stipulation for no return. That's it. So, yeah. No. So Bobby Roode and Chad Gable won, which means they don't have to worry about anything else. They have to worry about it. That's it. Yeah. So, so essentially it was, oh, we have already started this match. I guess we will just... Pull the trigger and shove something together. Yeah. So up next we had a uh, this this belt cannot get on the main event, the U.S. Championship. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Rusev uh, and retain and getting his championship back. Uh, more of this um, confrontation involving Lana getting involved, um, Lana getting injured, which would take some significance later on in the rumble. Um, yeah. Oh, another match that I didn't really care about. Um, they've turned. They formed this tag team, weird tag team thing. Uh, I think they're just struggling to find a way of getting these two guys to stay on TV. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that with if this continues, Shinsuke is going to stick around. And I think at some point in time, Rusev is also going to leave. Um, but I don't think he's going to find the success that he's expecting if he does leave. No. Uh, for me, this was a match that uh, I didn't care either way, and I'm pretty sure I may have fast-forwarded through most of it. Yeah, no, for me, once again, it was a quick glimpse for me. Uh, I watched the match, but it was hard. You know, what is, what's the point of Shinsuke being the United States champion? What was the point of putting it on Rusev? You know, it almost makes his running insignificant. I get it. They made it in a way where Lana got bumped off the apron, hurt her ankle. Rusev wanted to make sure, like, oh, my God, my wife, are you okay? Like, uh, Lana, get up, get up. Costed him the belt. But, yeah, it just seems like this is a lot of what's entailed is a lot of distraction, a lot of back and forth with the U.S. title. Um, and, obviously, now, you know, there's a different U.S. champion now from what was at the, at the Rumble. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it just really didn't do anything for me. These are two very talented individuals. Been a big fan of Shinsuke for a long time. Huge fan of Rusev. Don't understand how you cannot push Rusev to a higher scale when you have crowds and arenas filled with people screaming and buying Rusev Day merchandise. But you're very inconsistent. You know, you're not you're not letting any any one thing play out through it's he wins he loses for every one win he loses several times it's hard to get behind a character when you treat them like almost like they don't matter well now they've essentially killed rusev day yep. by uh turning him full heel with shinsuke um and so it's you know a waste of an opportunity a waste of several months of this feud yeah at first we hadn't i remember you know you made a great point several like months ago um you know, what was the point of Shinsuke and Rusev facing each other to begin with? Then they started to build it. And then we're like, okay, I'm on board now. Now they're friends and tag team. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so the last match of the pre-show was the four-way uh, Cruiserweight Championship match. Buddy Murphy uh, defeating Akira Tozawa, Hideo Tommy, and Kalisto. Uh, again, I just, you know... I, I'm getting. I'm not a fan of fiddle four ways and triple threats. I just would rather see a good one on one match. Yep. Um, and this match didn't do anything for me either way. Uh, it is probably the last time we're going to see Hideo Itami 
before he heads back to Japan to become whatever he was before. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I thought he was going to win, but after hearing that he's requested to leave, and, and you had mentioned earlier that uh, he's formally left, uh, that's why he didn't win. Um, all in all, I mean, I think it's a 205 Live's at a tough spot. Uh, I think they're better off being a NXT-sized brand and, um, and and putting it that way. I just don't know how you do with your already established talent to say, hey, you've kind of taken a step backwards. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I could have just not watched the pre-show and saved myself, uh, you know, an hour. Yeah, well, I think, too, Buddy Murphy has proven to steal the show every pay-per-view when he's on a one-on-one match. I think this is the first time out of the last several title defenses Buddy Murphy has had that we weren't so impressed with the match that he was involved in. Buddy Murphy himself looked great. Very happy that he retained. I think that's very, very good for the division, very good for him because he's very marketable. Good-looking guy, great build. Almost unbelievable that he even makes 205. You know, but he's a dominant champion. He backs it up. He's got great attitude. Um, this one, you know, Tozawa, a former Cruiserweight champion. Kalisto, a former Cruiserweight champion. Uh, Hideo Itami, tough spot. You know, and uh, and fortunate to see that, that Hideo never hit. You know, it's it's tough. You know, when you look at Hideo Itami's career, you know, it's very unfortunate he never got the break that he could have. You know, several years ago when he joined NXT, I can't remember entirely, but I believe he was the one that Hulk Hogan went to Japan for and signed. Hideo, you know, hit NXT, was hot, 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 and then he got injured. A bad injury that took him out for a long time. Who came up during his injury? Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Like, these people came in and took the spotlight that should have been, you know, Hideo Itami's. So when you have, you know, so when he came back, it was very lackluster because not only was he away for a long time... But then he got injured again. Yeah. And then he was away. And then he then while he was even when he was healthy, he was off TV. So it's really hard where it's almost. I'm not saying that Kevin Owens or other people took his spotlight, but Kevin Owens was hot. Kevin Owens was the NXT champion. You know, Sami Zayn, like all of these great rivalries happening. Finn Balor was coming in. Come on now, like Finn Balor. You know, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. So when he came back, no one's looking at you know Hideo as a main star. They're looking at Kevin Owens and these big big guys, you know, looking at the future of the business. So it was a really tough spot for him to be in. I really hope he finds success leaving WWE. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll ever come back, but he was a huge huge star in Japan, and I hope he can go there and bring and and reclaim that once was stardom. All right, the first uh, match on the main show, Oscar. Uh, the uh, reigning, defending, undisputed women's SmackDown champion of the world uh, defeated Becky Lynch by submission. Uh, you know, I thought the match was—I thought it was a good match. It wasn't a great match, certainly. Um, I think you know they had its moments. Um, you know, I thought Oscar looked good, and uh, you know, you mentioned something to me before about how you thought the ending went and, and where you took issue with it. Yeah, you know, I love the match. You know, 17 minutes and 10 seconds of an amazing... And that's a long time for a female match, you know, and I love that. I love the women getting that opportunity. And eventually, obviously, we have to stop talking about females getting opportunity because they're here. You know, it's I, I'm really bad at, at, at commenting on that too much. But um, an amazing match. What I thought was going to happen was Becky was not going to win. I'll tell you. 
I the moment the the match was done, I was happy Becky didn't win because we had some predictions of her later on in the evening, which we'll talk about. But the fact that she tapped a clean, you know, clean a clean win by Oscar, but she tapped. My hope is that, you know, I think it would have done really, really good if she pulled a, you know, Stone Cold versus Bret Hart WrestleMania 13. Bret Hart had Stone Cold in the Sharpshooter. Stone Cold's bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. You know, he's going to tap, he's going to tap. No, no, no. But then Stone Cold passes out. He will not give up. I thought that would have been great for Becky Lynch is that hold that hold for a very long time and then have her pass out. So even though she lost, they can go, well, she never gave up. She's tough. She's the man. You know, so I would have loved to see it a different way. But at the same time, outside of the ending, the match was great. You know, Asuka, it's great to see her back on top where after her loss to Charlotte in the previous WrestleMania, she's had a tough year. You know, very much, you know, not talked about, tagging with Naomi, doing little things here and there. Um, you know, but to see her on top is very, very well deserved. So I'm uh, very happy to see Asuka still as champion. Very well deserved, but uh, the ending could have been different. Uh, up next was my least favorite match, sure. uh, but I am extremely biased. Uh, the Miz and uh, Shane McMahon uh, defeating the Bar Ms. to Man. become uh, tag team champions. I can't stand this. I can't say it enough. I do not want Shane McMahon holding a belt. The 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 storyline with his father doesn't make any sense because we've seen other things where his father is totally supporting him. Hundred uh, <clears> percent. <throat> I'm I'm hoping that it was at some point in time the Miz will turn on Shane. I'm still hoping for that. At least that I'll get a little bit of redemption out of this. Uh, the Bar are legitimate fantastic tag team yep. they shouldn't be losing nope. to Shane McMahon's <laughs> Senton Bomb is that what he did a uh, shooting oh, no, star the, uh, Northern um, Lights I can't remember what it's called uh, it's, what is it like um, like bucket, uh, Coast to Coast no 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 oh it's no no one. no no um, he did the um, the thing that Brock failed at sorry the um, shooting star press shooting star press sorry 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 yes uh, you know to win and I just I just I don't even want to talk about it anymore <laughs> so you can go ahead with this one not too much to comment. It was it was a great moment, but at the same time, you kind of did what you did last year, and it hurts the tag team division. Now I'm all about seeing where they're gonna go from here, and if they're able to like, what's the what's the payoff for Shane and the Miz being the tag team champions? Is it that Miz turns their back, vice versa? Who knows what it is? I'm excited to see where it goes, but I'll tell you, having a clean win with Shane McMahon beating. I th- who, like who did he pin? Did he pin Cesaro. Yeah. I think it was. If Cesaro wanted to rip Shane McMahon's arm off, he would do it. Like Cesaro is one of the strongest, most tough, especially Sheamus. Sheamus is one of the strongest, most dominating, and they the Bar is such a great team. To have them cleanly lose to Shane McMahon, it wasn't believable. Now I know wrestling is all about you know. Um, you know, all about disbelief and entertainment, but I don't know. I just think it's, um, I don't know. I just hope the belts play a part in whatever story, you know, this whole Ms. Man tag team has into play. Because if it doesn't, I thought it was stupid and meant nothing. So, but hey, it was a little moment. They had their moment. Is okay little match. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like this crazy, you know, 13-minute match, but... It, like it, it had some good moments, but I think I almost feel like the Miz and Shane had too much offense against such a dominant, one of the best tag teams in any roster. The bar, so 
Right, so uh, to wrap up that, you suck, Shane McMahon. Um, all right. <laughs> so up uh, next uh, was the most surprising match for me. Uh, Ronda oh. defeating Sasha Banks. Yes. I haven't seen Sasha Banks that good in the ring in a long time. Since NXT? <clears throat> I thought she did really, really well. Really, I thought there really was well. a real chance that she could win. Um, I thought, it, you know, it, it. they put on a back and forth. They're both offensive. They both, you know, took their licks. I was really impressed, really surprised, and we got our first glimpse since Shayna Baszler was in the Mae Young Classic, where we referenced, truly referenced the four horsewomen. Yep. Sasha did the four fingers. What I was hoping for was that when Bailey met Ronda on Raw, even though she lost, I was hoping she would also do the four fingers. You know, just keep in mind, hey... There's four of us. Like, in the end, there are yeah. only four of us. But all in all, for me, I re- was really impressed with Sasha. I thought it was a way better match than I was expecting. Um, you know, it's one of those ones where I thought Sasha could have come out with victory, and I wouldn't have been upset about it. No, 110% agree. You know, it was a great glimmer. I love I love the, the way they played it out at the end, too, where Sasha, you know, the kind of the show of respect, Sasha, uh, Sasha left the ring. You know, and then they kind of met back up outside where, you know, you could tell Ronda was being very sympathetic, kind of like, hey, you know, like, yeah, that was just business, you know, like, um, you know, big fan of yours, I want us to be friends. And then it was just very subtle. Threw up the four, gave her the smirk, turned around and walk away. Beautifully done. I'll tell you, totally agree. A loss to Ronda Rousey doesn't hurt anyone. It's how you face Ronda Rousey that's going to be what brings you forward. The only, and I wasn't a big fan of it, the only one time, Rousey has been completely dominant to everyone, minus Nikki Bella. You know, Nikki Bella got way too much offense than she should have gotten. But it was so believable. It was really a submission-type match where Sasha has always been very well known for her mat wrestling her ability to put on a lock, put on a hold, sell it, and own it, and deliver it, and she did that. There were moments where, even though you knew, you're not if you're going to beat Rousey, you're not going to beat her clean. But there was moments where you're like, "Holy crap! Like, could she do it?" You know. So that's what really sold it for me. I thought this did nothing but increase Sasha Banks' stock by tenfold, and um, I'm excited. I'm hoping that. With this new regime of WWE giving new opportunities and flipping the switch, I hope they don't just stifle Sasha from here. They need to continue this and find ways to, you know, uh, to, to showcase Sasha. You know, and, and who knows what the future of that is, whether it's on Raw or SmackDown. But uh, but I thought it was once again in regards to the prediction, uh, Ronda winning, and I thought I thought that was also the right move. Up next, we had our first Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, you know, it's amazing that uh, that Mark was correct in predicting exactly what would happen. Um, I mean, they kind of spoiled it a little when they kind of pulled the same move on the men's side. But, Very true. Um, all in all, I actually really enjoyed this this Rumble. Yes. Um, I like that they brought in the NXT women. I like that Ooh. you saw Rhea Ripley, who did really well there. Very well. I also like that there wasn't any old people not old in terms of age but kelly like, kelly tori wilson right they didn't yeah. rely on yeah. the old school to sell it yeah the the match went a lot smoother the women seemed to understand how to get themselves literally over the rope uh without yes. it making it look awkward um you had zelina vega and you had a little surprise uh appearance from hornswoggle 
you know, all in all, I thought that of the Royal Rumbles, I actually preferred the women's one than the men's. Um, I thought it all went well. I thought the interactions were great, and uh, and for me, it was just, it was a really strong uh, match, and I think it sets the tone for future women's rumbles that this is possible. This is something that we could all see together. No, hundred and ten percent. You know, obviously, it's only the second Royal Rumble for the females, and um, they, they hit it again. They told a great story. You know, the it's really hard to pull off a rumble. You know, it's funny. I, I can't remember who it was, but I think it was Bruce Pritchard. Where I think Conrad asked him one time, saying like, "Well, how do you how do you book a rumble? Like, what what's the main thing? You determine who's going to win it and who's going to start it, and, and then everything in between kind of almost plays itself. So there's lots of times where you look at people who, um, like Natalia. Natalia lasted a long time, and to see her, you know, what are you going to do for all that time you're in there? You know, I know last year Sasha was the Iron Woman, but Sasha spent a lot of the time outside on the apron on the ground. A lot of that time wasn't the case this year. The NXT call-ups, um, you know, especially seeing um, uh, Casey uh, Catanzaro. Yeah, she was impressive. That was impressive. You know, almost like uh, Naomi has almost become the Kofi Kingston of, yep. you know, but she had that, like, that handstand, that little koala crawl on the side, like she was tiny, fierce, athletic, like, wow. Like, I knew who she was walking into this rumble, but that did so well for her. Now, what I love, too, is that it wasn't just, oh, well, we know these little people aren't going to, these NXTers or these low-roster people, we know they're not going to um, win the rumble, so they can just be quick eliminations. That was not the case this year. Everyone that entered had great offense, got got a, almost a nice little pocket of time to showcase and and put themselves on a pedestal. Uh Rhea Ripley totally agree. Wow. You know, she absolutely dominated. You know, it was very impressive, especially too. I love the way that she came out. You know, where she literally came out, took off her vest, did the big stomp on the ground and then I was like, "Whoa." Like this woman's crazy. Um and then of course we're talking about, uh, you know, what was going to happen. How is Becky Lynch going to find her way into the Rumble? Obviously, like you, uh, like we were talking about before with Lana being injured, took the opportunity. I loved the little piece with Fit uh, Finley and Becky on the outside where, you know, it was like, no, 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 no. Like, Lana's the one in here. Like, if she can't make it, that's it. Like, no, listen to these people. Like, she really had to sell it to him. Then eventually it was like, all right, go. And then... You the the selling point between eliminating Charlotte, where you actually still thought Charlotte was gonna win, you know, like there was a lot of sympathy for Becky, you know, with her, with, like you know, with her injury and everything else, but it was Becky's night. She won. The crowd went wild. I thought this was. I know it's only the second one, but the best one yet, and uh, definitely a Royal Rumble to remember. Uh, all right. Up next, uh, we have uh, Daniel Bryan, who defeated AJ Styles with the um, help from Rowan. And as we mentioned at the top of the show with our highs and lows, it's just Rowan, not Eric Rowan. Not Eric. Um, but I will tell you, outside of the ending, which I'm still a little bit torn on if I like or not, it was a fantastic match for wrestling. 100%. Those guys put on a great show. They put on actual wrestling skills and... Everything worked well together. They both had their share of offense. They told a great story. I, I I remember as I'm watching this, I actually stopped and commented to myself, like, man, this is a great 
wrestling match. Yep. It wasn't just a match. It wasn't a story. It was an actually great wrestling match, yep. which may or may not have been spoiled by the ending, but given where the direction they're going with Daniel Bryan, and we've talked about this at the top of the show as well, about how he's, you know, he's he's on fire right now, um, you know, this this makes sense. Totally makes um, sense. Um and uh, and so yeah, for me it was it was a really great match. I liked it up until the end. And I'm still on the fence. No, 100. percent And I, I once again it goes to what's the purpose of rolling? You know, like uh, eventually they're gonna have to tell the story of why he's here even more. You know, it seemingly is Rowan is almost this tree hugging hippie. Yes, that's the you that's know, the position they're giving. That's it, the position they're giving him. Oh, and but I'm not. I'm like. If, he, if Daniel's going to be a heel, he's a heel that will punch you in the face and beat you clean. But a good heel always has good backup. You know, so for the first time in a long time, I like Rowan's position. You know, just he's in, he's in sneakers, you know, jeans and, and street clothing, wearing his plaid. And he's just the big muscle behind the, 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 the world champion. You know, and I, and I love it. I think it's great. And, he doesn't need to do much. He doesn't need to say much. He just needs to be there, uh, and 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 be there when it matters. That's what's really going to get Rowan over in this case. And and I I couldn't agree with you more. This was probably one of the best wrestling matches I've seen in a very very long time. I know we're very early in the year. You know we're only a month into 2019, but I'll tell you that's going to be up there for match of the year candidate. And even though the ending, and if it if it doesn't win or if it's not nominated, it will because of the, because of the ending. But I'll tell you, it's everything. Like if if you while Daniel Bryant was injured, if he said, imagine AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryant in WWE when they're both in their prime, like wow, they delivered. You could not have asked for a better match than that. The only thing you could have maybe asked for is a different outcome. Uh, not not saying to Daniel, not why I think Daniel winning. It's very interesting because we're so used to Daniel being a babyface. I know I'm getting ahead of myself now where Road to WrestleMania, you know, you usually think that Daniel Bryant would be chasing the title, not potentially walking into it being the heel. Um, but I love it. I love everything that he's doing. And yeah, as we've talked about at the top of the show, uh, Daniel Bryant is not just back. He's on top of the business right now. Um, all right, so our last singles match was uh, the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar defeating Finn Balor by submission, which is different. Yep. Uh, it was a different ending, and the match was obviously different. Finn Balor got quite a bit of offense. Yep. Granted, only went eight minutes, but uh, he did get a fair bit of offense. I think in the end you knew Brock was going to win. Um, still not sure what they're doing, where this is all leading. Yep. Um, but I think from uh, the thing that they keep selling is... You have to be Brock by surprising him. Um, and so, Finn, you know, there's a chance at the beginning, I'm like, oh, is this going to be like a surprise squash match? That he's right. just going to turn around and, and, uh, and then, you know, Brock defeated him. And then Brock confirmed with everybody why Brock is, is the baddest guy out there. Um, all in all, I don't, I mean, I'm tired of Brock for me. I, I want to see something different. Yeah. Um, I'm okay that it wasn't finally a match that did involve Braun Strowman. Um, so at least it was something a little bit different. I kind of would have loved to have seen if they were going to spin this and have Finn win. He come out as, uh, you know, as, as his alter ego. and Right, the demon. The demon. Yeah. That would have made sense, you know, because you, you want to push it as this strong guy. 
Um, but all in all, for me, it's I guess it served its purpose, although I'm not too sure what the purpose is yet. Uh, but it wasn't the worst Brock Lesnar match I've seen. Definitely wasn't. And, you know, I'll tell you, the best-selling point of that match that I love was Brock selling his stomach injury. Yep. His uh, diverticulitis. Diverticulitis? Divic- yes, something Diverticulitis? Yeah, diverticulitis or <laughs> Look whatever. Look it up. WebMD. Um, yeah, WebMD. Um, and he sold it. He sold that really well, that stomach injury. Um, you know, almost to the point where when it went so quickly... When he got him into that uh, Kimura, it would like, and then Finn tapped not too short after. It was almost he's injured Brock so much to the point where Brock needs to go to his mat wrestling. He needs to go to his MMA because you're not. He's not going to be able to, you know, extend his arms to get to the F5. And and I thought it was I thought it was a great match. It it once again. Now that you've put Finn on top, you got to keep Finn on top somehow. It can't just be this whatever. Everyone loves Finn Balor. All right, well. Here we go. It's against Brock. Okay, he faced Brock, Finn, back of the line. Well, now he's against Bobby Lashley. Now he's against Bobby Lashley. Um, which, once again, my take is, for the Intercontinental title, whoever is facing, challenging, or being the Intercontinental title should be the people, kind of like Seth. I saw the Miz and Seth in the last several years have done more for the Intercontinental title uh, than most people in a long time because I can see Miz as being a world champion one day. Now, obviously, Seth Rollins, you know, so whoever holds or is challenging for the Intercontinental title should be the next talked about to be the next world champion. So I am okay that Finn is going to be in that conversation for the... I would love to see Finn as an Intercontinental champion. That would be phenomenal. I think he would own that belt, hold that belt, and that's someone you can put the Intercontinental title on for a long time. Um, But no, overall, you know, to cap off the, the Brock match... Um, it, it's hard, right? Because is Brock facing Daniel Cormier in March in UFC? Probably not. It doesn't look like it now. There hasn't been much talk about it. Sounds like um, Brock Lesnar may have used UFC as a way of signing a new contract because he just recently signed a new contract with WWE. Uh, there was talk about Daniel Cormier and Brock Lesnar in March. If they're going to fight, they need to announce it soon uh, to give the guys enough time to... Um, you know, to get ready for it, but who knows what's going to happen, but I think the payoff will be Brock will lose the title. I know with the whole Roman Reigns things, and it's, what I heard too is apparently uh, the reason why Braun Strowman, uh, he's got major heat, and apparently the major, and what I've, and I'm not going to say the source, just, uh, it was a couple of videos and a couple of articles, a couple of, several areas saying the same thing. But apparently Braun Strowman has a really, a rule is you don't leave an event or a show early. The show of respect is you, and unless you're Brock Lesnar. Uh, he has that in his contract, but you stay the whole night until the event's over. And he leaves early a lot because he wants to. And apparently that's been getting him into a lot of heat. So uh, apparently this is punishment. But who knows where it's going to go from there, but I just hope that... Brock should lose at some point. It's probably going to be Mania. My interesting theory is, is it going to be Seth Rollins? You know, it's. I know we're about to talk about that now, but probably a good segue to kind of go into uh, when it comes to who's going to challenge Brock at Mania for the Universal title. All right, go for it. Tell me your thoughts on the men's Royal Rumble. I liked it. You know, it's, uh, it's a little different. You know, I, I'm... I'm never, I, I never hate, 
I don't always hate segments happening in a Rumble. It's happened before. You know, gimmicky little things like Santino Morella and Mick Foley, the snake and the sock, and many different things. Obviously, we opened up with Elias in the ring as number one. Jeff Jarrett walking out in his <laughs> unflattering old Double J 1995 gear, not his WCW gear or his you know, Impact TNA gear, um, and he didn't go with his recent, he went with his, his honestly, his WWF persona, you know, walking out being like, it's J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T, like his old, old, old persona. Um, that was a way to kick it off. It was a little fun. It was cool to see Jeff Jarrett. Same thing with the female, where this wasn't filtered with a bunch of Booker T's and a bunch of the old guys uh, coming back. It was a lot of you know NXT main roster people. Yeah, great, a great platform for opportunity. But um, but obviously throughout the night, you know, we did see some great NXTers. You know, we did see uh, Johnny Gargano, uh, Pete Dunne from NXT UK, Alistair Black. Um, you know, which was really cool because, you know, Johnny Gargano, Aleister Black, I didn't expect to see them there. I kind of assumed Pete Dunne would be there. Pete Dunne's been showing up a little bit more and more, a little all over the place. But, but no, I think some of the eliminations, you know, there wasn't that one person that was usually like a Kane or a Roman. That, that one person where they've thrown, like, I think Roman one year throw out of 30, he threw like 15 out of 30 people out of the Rumble. You know, it was very much of a, of a mix. But I'll tell you, Seth Rollins, it was the right choice. It was the right place. Um, what number did Seth come in at again? Uh, number 10, 10 um, which was a great spot to be in. You know, they usually talk about 27 being that money spot for the winners. You know, 10 is quite early in the stage, being in there for 42 minutes. You know, showed an Iron Man to the end, one. Um, you know, eliminating Nia Jax. Um, which was, uh, sorry, not eliminating Nia Jax, but, uh, who, 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 who eliminated Nia Jax? Rey Mysterio? Yeah. Rey Mysterio. There we go. Uh, but the whole, actually, question for you, I, I know I'm jumping in, like, I could talk about every single person that was in the Rumble, but that would be very boring for people, but, um, a couple main things that I, I, I want to point out and also ask you. So, number one, funny enough, two days prior on, um, oh my god. Uh, Chris Valet, I think his name is, his YouTube channel, he had an interview with Dolph Ziggler, um, and Ziggler was saying he's on a hiatus from WWE, and he will not be at the Rumble, and obviously he shows up at the Rumble, um, but what is what was your take on the whole Nia Jax piece, our truth we knew he was going to come in at number 30? Um, that was, that was, that was well known from him and Carmella winning the Mix Max challenge, but what was your thought of her coming in and her performance and just the overall fact that she was there? So, I mean, to the couple, there was a couple spots in the men's rumble that took place in the women's rumble beforehand. So that, and, and this was one of them. So the other one was, I believe it was Kurt Hawkins hiding under the ring apron. Um, and then Titus went underneath after him. Right. Um, yes. So Zelina Vegas had already done that in. Uh, Those are the Hornswoggle spot. That's right. I forgot about so, that. So um, Naya taking the spot was like Becky's. I just didn't really. Uh, it was a little confusing. Yeah. Um, because even the announcers didn't know how to call it so that it was clear for the audience. Yeah. I was I was impressed with how they put it together. Um, that they didn't shy away from her taking some shots. Yeah. Um, you know, she eliminated, uh, who did she get rid of? She got rid of Mustafa Ali. 
Uh, so she, you know, she's the first person to ever eliminate somebody in both the women's and the men's, which doesn't really count. Right. Um, cause she's the only one to actually be in both. Um, right. but you know, I think the fact that they actually had some offense against her was very interesting. It's very unlike, um, WWE to do that. I thought this was the right spots to do that, where it wasn't right. like you were beating on a defenseless individual. It was, you know, she's going there, she's wreaking havoc. You know we're gonna we're gonna stop her. Um, I just wish it was a little less confusing as to how she ended up in there instead of just oh she just decided. When maybe if they had said something in a previous segment or a previous episode of Raw, where she was you know even if you catch her talking to somebody in the background being like oh yeah I could totally take on anybody any man doesn't matter. It's true. Kind of came out of nowhere. Right, and it, and it, the problem was is that. Had she enter? Had she not entered the women's rumble, and instead entered the men's rumble at you know number twenty eight, um, as a regular person, I would have bought it. But it was just an odd thing to attack our truth for real no reason, and and then just and let the and then she gets to take a spot where Becky had to convince somebody. Well, that and that's 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 what I was thinking too. Is that had like Becky needed to convince. You know, uh, Finley, he helps. He's one of the agents for the female stars. So, you know, very well known in the back uh, for any of any, anyone that watches any of the back, behind the scenes or the agents. But, you know, totally right where you had to convince him. Like, please, come on. Like, let me go in. Like, she's injured. She won't be able to do it. And then Nia just, boom. Like, and no one stopped her. Like, yeah. no one. It just, it like, the, the continuity with that, just the consistency with that wasn't there. Uh, but I'll say, you know, it was kind of pretty cool, especially, like, the little thing between Nia Jax and Randy Orton. Yeah. Like, that was crazy. You know, especially, like, obviously Randy, you know, getting his in the end. And it's... Uh... But, no, I think overall it was a good Royal Rumble. You know, there was no bad spot about the Rumble. Um, I'll tell you, I like... The, I, I look forward to the Kofi Kingston spot every year. This one was a little weird. The double one? Because he had two spots. We had two spots. Like, the one where... Uh, but but it's it's just the one of... The fact that I think, yes, both feet need to touch the ground. I think when you're lying flat out on your back, however... It's... Yeah, it's... Th- the same it's thing. a little different. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, I landed on my butt. My feet didn't touch. Or one foot didn't touch. You know, because he's on his back. Xavier's on him. And he's got that one leg in the air. Okay. I like to see more of a elimination. Maybe bump off apron somehow. That's just kind of... I feel like you're almost playing too much with the rules. Because, come on, you're on your back. You're out. Yeah. Like, but I, I understand that's all fun and games and everything else. But, uh, but no, and obviously Titan, T- Titus O'Neil not falling underneath. Yeah. He's being very careful this year, playing homage to the greatest Royal Rumble. Kind of, whoa, hey, nope, not going to fall this time. Uh, but no, great spots, great show. Um, and to kind of say again, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that it wasn't just a bunch of, you know, like people from the past. You know, like, I love Goldust, but, you know, Goldust, Booker T, oh, JBL, oh, Jerry the King Lawler's in there, oh, Michael Cole's in there, oh, you know, the Boogeyman's in there, oh, oh, Hornswoggle's in there. It's like, come on, guys. You know, oh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel's back. It's a platform, especially with how big your roster is, you need to utilize them in this sense. So, I thought it was a great rumble. Seth was the man in 2018. And uh, I think uh, it'll be really cool to see him seemingly, based off the next night on Raw, you know, almost looked like he was going to challenge Brock, but Brock almost making the making the challenge for him. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. You know, we've seen years ago when we saw that little glimpse of uh, you know, obviously many many years ago, Seth Rollins took the title from Brock 
when he cashed in his money in the bank, you know, um, when it was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. So there's some history there, you know, and I really hope they play off that history of like, you know, you're the reason why I lost my belt. And, you know, I was about to beat because he was about to beat Roman. Like he had Roman in the F5. He's beating the heck out of Roman the entire night. And both of those guys were beating the heck out of each other. But, uh, and then plus two, you saw, you know, triple threat matches, you know, John Cena, um, Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins, you know, really, really, really good matches. So I think there's a, a past history uh, of almost, you know, he's never gotten the best of Brock. And I really hope they play into that. And um, and I do hope that Seth Rollins wins the Universal title at WrestleMania and finally takes it off Brock. Well, we'll have to see how the next two pay-per-views come up. So that uh, wraps up our Royal Rumble uh, breakdown. The next pay-per-view will be the Elimination Chamber taking place in uh, a week and a half. 10 days, September, uh, sorry, September, Sunday, February 17th. Uh, I was going to say, wow, we missed a lot of time. So uh, next week we will have our preview of that uh, that show. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with uh, our wrap-up and our F5. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Kyle, I think it's F5 time. Before we do that... I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Wrestling With Ideas. Oh, yes. Uh, I had the pleasure of taking part in a, a bit of a roundtable discussion uh, surrounding AEW, All Elite Wrestling, and comparing them to WCW as this is, in a long time, the, the first real challenger, I think, to WWE in terms of the North American space. Uh, so, you know, the guys at uh, Wrestling With Ideas... Brought me on, and uh, we had a, had a discussion, which was awesome. So if you have a chance, check that out. Uh, I believe it's up today, uh, and uh, and hopefully you enjoy that, and uh, and keep giving them a listen, because uh, it was, certainly was an entertaining conversation, and hopefully we have more opportunities in the future yeah. to uh, to collaborate. Yeah, no, it's a shame I wasn't able to make that one, and um, definitely looking forward. You know, um, great promotional relationship with those guys. Um, you know, they're very funny. They're, they're very much a lot like us, just a bunch of wrestling fans. I love talking about wrestling. Um, I love the concept. I would have loved to talk about WCW and AEW because um, WCW, I watched for a very long time in the 1990s. So, uh, but no, that's super awesome. And, you know, thank you again for uh, sending the invite. And Kyle, that was super awesome you were able to attend that and, um, uh, to, uh, to show the love and spread out the 613 wrestling uh, spirit. And, uh, but no, obviously, I believe this is our third week in the road doing the F5. That's correct. For those of you who don't know yet, and if you're new to the podcast, the F5 is our fabulous five. Um, it's where each week uh, we rank um, who we think over the past week, in this sense, we're going to look maybe the last week or two, um, of uh, individuals, female, male, um, who we think are the top five stars of the week. Uh, kind of, we'll, we'll start from number five, wake our way to run, essentially very simple. Uh, we're going to start from number five. We're going to say a wrestler's name. We're going to say why we think they're there and then move on to the next. So it's very simple. It just gives us an opportunity to kind of talk more specifically who we collaboratively feel was the highlight of our last week or two. So Kyle, our first, uh, I want to announce our very first, uh, on number five on the list. Uh, that was the, the ever popular, well, at least he's popular with us, uh, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Yes. So we talked about how Samoa Joe put on some great promos still. Jeff Hardy and <clears throat> Mustafa Ali, 
He had a great presence in the Rumble. Yes, he did. He showed up well on SmackDown. He got into the mix. He even got his revenge last week or this week on uh, Randy Orton, which we thought was fantastic. Yep. Out of nowhere, there he is. Uh, you know, puts him in the Kohina clutch, and it's just another solid performance from Joe in terms of really selling his pure badassness. He's just an a monster. Oh God, yeah. No, hundred percent. I think you know. So, Watching Samoa for a very long time, way back from Ring of Honor days to, you know, TNA and Impact, you know, I've always been a huge fan of Samoa Joe. You know, coming in NXT and seeing him now, I don't know if you can put another wrestler that has lost as many matches as he has and who has kind of, you know, you see the injury bug where he kind of came in, he's been injured two or three times throughout that, put him out for a bit, and, and usually, you know, talk about the revival, Kind of, you know, like those injuries really stifled those guys, but not Samoa. No matter what, he's with his attitude, his ability to cut a promo, his demeanor, you know, usually you go, well, this guy loses a lot and I'm not really intimidated by him. I don't really think he's that tough. Not Samoa Joe. And I love Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, seeing him get his retaliation this week from the previous week from what Orton did, a little out of nowhere. Um, Huge fan of it. Um, Man, like I'll drool at the fact of Randy Orton versus Samoa Joe. Uh, that sounds like an amazing match, and I hope it's something that we see very soon in the future. So next up, we have number four on the F5, which is uh, Mr. Wrestling, uh, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. Um, huge fan of Johnny. Johnny had a huge Royal Rumble weekend, especially well, him and his wife Candice as well. The, the whole Gargano family had a huge weekend. Uh, Gargano went from you know, NXT TakeOver to win the North American Championship with a clean win from Ricochet to then entering the Royal Rumble and not just entering the Royal Rumble, but having an amazing show in the Rumble. Uh, it, it was really cool because Johnny fit in really well with the main roster. You know, some of the times you put people in there and you kind of think, well, you know, they're NXT and they don't they don't really, they don't look like they, they're in their space. They look a little awkward, you know, because they're not there yet. They're not a big superstar. But you put Johnny beside a Seth Rollins and everyone else in the ring. It was like, yep, which made me proud, uh, not proud, well, proud, but also very excited for the future that Johnny, when he hits the main roster, I feel he's going to fit in very, very well. What's your thoughts on Johnny over the last uh, week or two? Yeah, no, I mean, he, he had a fantastic performance. He finally gets over that hurdle, wins a belt. On his own, which is fantastic. Debuts at Rumble, then turns around and has um, a follow-up with Velveteen Dream. And he cuts a strong promo there. He also has a solid match at Halftime Heat. Um, He definitely stepped up and cemented himself in the top group of NXT instead of just being the runner-up. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Never the bride. Johnny finally got his wedding. Nope, it's very true. No, nope, very proud of Johnny. Uh, excited to see what the future holds for him. I know we, you know, uh, talking about, you know, uh, the results of TakeOver, talking about, you know, Tommaso Ciampa and him holding the titles up high was a very questionable moment in the sense where, where is it going from here? Very excited for the future for Johnny. So uh, amazing work in our number four of our F5. All right, uh, Kyle, what's our number three on the F5 list this week? Bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, he's been a, a comedic staple for quite some time. Very much so. Uh, but it's uh, it's the R-Truth, the new U.S. champion, 
uh, our truth and uh, you know kind of an awkward situation you know with him and Nia Jax and then him getting a uh, a chance at the U.S. Championship because he got beat up by Nia Jax. Right. But then he wins. He beats in a shocker. He beats Shinsuke Nakamura. He's right. the new champion. It's it's interesting how that I wasn't sure if that was maybe a screw up or not. But anyways, it's hard to tell. <clears throat> we'll go with our truth being the champion. And then, you know, Rusev comes out. You're like, okay, great. Well, that was short-lived. Rusev's going to win. Nope. R-Truth turns around. Wins it as well. So now he is the definitive U.S. champion. So hopefully, at least for a week and a half, two weeks, he'll be champion. And at least he'll do something different with the belt. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. This just in. R-Truth lost yeah. the United States championship. You know, but even still, it'll be something different than we've seen in the last No, 110%. And, you know, R-Truth has been around for a very long time. You know, Ron Killings, R-Truth, he's gone by many different monikers, you know, whether it's TNA... Um, also a former NWA, TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, his time in WWE, especially over the last seven, eight years, have been very comedic mid-card. You don't see him too often. I think the most the, the most memorable thing he's done a long time ago was Little Jimmy, when he had his little imaginary, his imaginary little buddy with him. Uh, and he was always talking to him, like, Jimmy, stop doing that right now. Um, that was actually pretty good. And he's had his moments where, you know, Go, joins the Royal Rumble, brings a ladder in, climbs up, puts his hands up to go, where's the belt? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, wrong match. Um, but no, huge, not just last week for our truth but a huge, you know, last month, month and a half. Uh, mixed match challenge winner with Carmella. Gets that number 30 spot and loses the 30 spot. And gets a U.S. title match. Who would have thought he would have beat Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev in the same night? Absolutely incredible. Abs- and I'm super excited. I hope, you know, we always talk about who should be holding the U.S. title. People like R-Truth should be holding the U.S. title. I think R-Truth can bring some good comedic, and he's still great in the ring. Guy looks like a mil- I think he's like 45 years old, still looks like a million bucks, and he can go. So very, very proud, very honored to have R-Truth as number three in the F5 this week. Uh, which brings us to our number two in the F5, uh, which is someone that... You can almost say it's a 1A and 1B. 1A, 1B. I like that. I actually really, really like that. It's almost looking at it as a katai. Um, so, but in, in the 1B spot this week, we have uh, the new Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryant coming off of an absolutely remarkable stellar match with AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. Uh, not just that, the reveal of the new World Heavyweight Champion, uh, a fully hemp-made, like like got rid of that leather i kind of find it really funny on how he didn't recycle it he just threw it in the garbage i thought he would have maybe recycled it or something uh i saw someone comment on that afterwards like why did he throw it in the garbage why didn't he just recycle the materials um which makes me almost think too and i know i'm getting ahead of myself where after when when he's no longer the title are you just going to go back to that other one or is this a way to maybe reveal a new title Either that or they, they pull the garbage can out. There we go. And, you know. And Just literally go, where is it? And it's yeah, back here. A little bit like Medusa. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but no, Daniel Bryan is on. Not We go from not having Daniel Bryan for many years to him coming back out of retirement, to him stifling a little bit, to now he's the hottest thing in wrestling right now. And not only is he putting on five-star matches, but he is the heel of all heels. And I didn't think he would have it in him at first to be, because he's so loved. You know, but saying statements like, you know, the Yes Movement is dead. I am the new Daniel Bryant. Like, I am all about, 
you know, the segments talking about how, you know, like the world is very fickle and impotent and people need to fix their attitude and worry about the environment. And it's something we can all get behind where we're booing the bad guy because it's not about him being on the side of being eco-friendly. It's the fact that he is in people's faces and he's being very judgmental about everyone. So super, super excited for Daniel Bryan's future. What are your thoughts on Daniel and the whole run he's had, especially coming off of the Royal Rumble weekend? You know, like we mentioned at the top of the show with our highs, you know, he is definitely rolling. We weren't really sure how this was going to go when it first came out. Yep. Uh, but now he thinks you're, he's saying it all makes sense. The new belt looks fantastic. Um, so It nice. was definitely, you know, like I said before, it was definitely something I, I was not expecting. I was expecting, you know, a cardboard cutout of a belt. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're, to your point, he's in people's faces. He is... He is bringing some truth to what he's saying about the fans, and that's what really works really well. It uh, I liken it to a bit of uh, Bret Hart when they went get you know they were pro Canadian anti American, um, and uh, and so that kind of truth in, in what he's saying you know he's not wrong right uh, and so it's all really working and so I think that you know he's got a lot of momentum going into the elimination chamber. I think uh, you know. He's got a lot of opponents he can face, and they'll all make sense. And he just needs to keep doing what he's doing because it's really working. Couldn't agree more. Very well said. Um, You know, WWE Shop, please make a replica of this belt. You're going to make money if you made a replica of this belt. Maybe a little tougher, but I don't know what what everything was uh, in to make it. But um, what a beautiful belt. Like, I'd wear it. I want to see it around his waist. Like, I just want to... Because oh. at first when he was pulling it out, it almost looked like it's a big piece of plastic. Um, but no, very I, I could talk about that belt for days. I'm a big belt fanatic. But I only own one. Winged Eagle Championship. 600 bucks WWE shop. Anyways, enough about that. Kyle, we're at the end of our F5. We have one more left, as you said. 1A. Uh, as a tie to Daniel Bryan, who is our number one in this week's F5? Uh, she is the last kicker, the man, Becky Lynch. Uh, you know, Becky came in, finally gets her opportunity against Ronda Rousey, fires off some, you know, a fantastic promo uh, against Ronda, a fantastic promo against uh, Stephanie McMahon. Then she gets into the ring on SmackDown with Triple H, gets right in his face. Um, she, she is going to run into a problem leading up into WrestleMania. I think less Becky is going to be better for her. Um, because True. the fans are, she is so hot right now that she derails every other segment that is involving her because they just want her and they want her to talk yep. and they want to cheer her because she's the anti-hero. She is the, you know, the one who truly deserves where she's at. And so it's, you know, she, she definitely is deserving of our top spot or co-top spot, um, because she's. Things are finally working the way they need to work to get this done. 110%. I couldn't have said that any better. You know, watching Becky Lynch for many times from the independence to her time, you know, she never won an NXT Women's Championship. You know, only up until recently did she finally win after years of being on the main roster. Um, This is, if this is the type of stuff, Daniel Bryant, you know, NXT call-ups, you know, different changes, Becky Lynch, like, if this is what flipping the switch is that WWE's been talking about, I'm in it. Like, listen to the audience because you don't always have to do everything that everyone wants. But those big moments where, 
you know, uh, Becky Lynch does not need to wrestle every week. She doesn't even necessarily need to, like, to be there is good, but you have gold in your hands right now. And I swear to God, if Charlotte makes her way into that match, I'm going to eat that Boston Bruins coaster sitting there. <laughs> like, it's so, like, uh, I just don't understand. Like, you have gold. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, main event WrestleMania. It's already written. You don't need to build it anymore. You just need to maintain it. Yeah. It's been built. Not only will you record break the fact that you've never had females main event to WrestleMania, you're never I don't know if you're ever gonna get another time where it fell in your lap like this. Yep. You know, it's it isn't you trying to make something happen. Like, well well maybe we should maybe women should main event WrestleMania. Well, what does that look like? It's forcing you to do it because why? Because it's going to be the hottest match on the show, you know. So, magic's happening right now. Becky Lynch is absolutely behind it, and Ronda Rousey. I'll tell you, you know, she's in a really tough spot where she's been the cheered, she's been the love, now she's being the booed. Great job on Ronda for really coming back from that lashing, um, you know, from the especially from the raw crowd, uh, which we talked about at the beginning, but. You know, she came back with a really, really strong promo, and I'm super excited. And if you if you haven't checked out both of their social media, check it out. Those girls are going at it back and forth on social media. So very well deserved, Becky, in our number one spot in this week's F5 or Fabulous Five um, on this week. Now, very quickly, only because I'm sure people will know, it looks like it's it's breaking news on Twitter right now. Um, looks like uh, the countdown that's been showing on Being the Elite is finally here. The rally is here. It's official. Kenny Omega has signed with All Elite Wrestling. Shocker. 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 Absolutely shocker. Now, I know that there's still talk, though, that some of them still want to be able to wrestle for New Japan. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, if you'll still see him in New Japan. Also... <laughs> Breaking news, Kenny Omega is the executive vice president. <laughs> the fourth executive vice president of, uh, you got Cody, you got the Bucks, now you have Kenny Omega. Uh, looked like it was a heck of a heck of a stare down where Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega um, got, oh, so Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega get into a brawl at AEW's Double or Nothing party. So obviously they're going to be in the match Double or Nothing. 100%. Um, so I'm not going to say too much more. I would say if you haven't yet, go back, take a look at the uh, the rally they had. Looked like it had a great attendance. Not just Kenny Omega, uh, but a few other um, you know notable individuals. Um, from the independent scenes, I won't say who. I'll let you guys, um, you know, check that out online yourselves. Uh, but looks like, uh, yep, there's no more questions now. Is Kenny Omega WWE bound? Nope. He's he's all in. He's all elite wrestling. So, congratulations, Kenny Omega. So uh, that brings us to the end of our show. We wanted to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, next week we will preview. Already, we will preview uh, Elimination Chamber. Yep, this is coming up quick. Uh, and in the further down the road to WrestleMania. Uh, and uh, you know, we'll come up with our highs and lows and our Fab Fives. And uh, we wanted to thank you again for joining us. And another shout-out to Pete for our special correspondent at the C4 Show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Pete, thank you so much for not just tonight and your very, very, very descriptive 
detailed, in-depth uh, talk about Nightmare City with C4 the other week. Uh, but also, uh, thank you for being our very first guest ever here on 613 Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we're breaking barriers here at 613 Wrestling. So. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, once again, make sure you hit us up on the Twitter and the Instagram at 613Wrestling. Uh, and feel free to watch the same YouTube video over and over again. We're going to get there soon, guys. <laughs> uh, but thanks again. Once again, my name is Kyle. And my name is Mark. And you were listening to 613 Wrestling. Have yourselves a good night. See you guys.